the same that I do It's okay girl don't be shy I'm not the mother guys Tell me anything you need to I got that fight you're loving for you Sweet but undercover And if you ready like I'm ready There ain't any other like you Sophisticated little lady Got her own thanks on Jack Don't brag good this is your boy monix welcome to the tough block podcast you got our, our other host right here mario hey what's going on y'all can you guys hear me let me turn your mic up your ear there you go there you go all right and we got a very very special guest today my professor black belt himself yes sir james nival you want to say what's up to the people how's everybody doing good good to have what's you on? on glad to be here thank you appreciate you coming on no problem we had Mitch on here a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool, man. I'd like to do another podcast with both of both you in here at the same time. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a trip. Yeah, that'll be dope. All right, let me turn this down a little bit. All right, let's get right into it. So, what you been up to lately? Uh, just you know, chilling. Same old, same old. Same old. Trying to get better. Anything new with you, James? Nothing much. Well, I guess the newest thing is I got a new. Baby boy on the way. Yeah. Do within the next two weeks. Uh, that's pretty much just preparing for that. That's, I guess that's always new. That's a new beginning, new life. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's hey, awesome. Congratulations, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. That'll be your third, yeah? Yeah, that'll be my third. Oh, man. You guys got a name picked out? Kenzo. Kenzo. Ooh, yes. that's nice. Yeah. Another beast to the family? Yeah. yeah. We'll see. <laughs> he might be a ballerina. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be a beast at ballerina, though. Hey, whatever they do, as long as they do it the best. Right, right, right. So what we wanted to do is uh, I wanted to jump in a little bit into your background. Sure. I wanted to let our, our listeners learn a little bit about you. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you the floor if you want to just start off. Uh, pretty much, yeah. Um, James Navarro, as he said. I've been in Las Vegas now about 13 years on and off. Um, I lived here in the early 90s, and I moved back originally from the East Coast, New Jersey, New York, New Jersey area. Um, So I came back, I had my mother moved out here. So pretty much I was back and forth between the East Coast and the West Coast uh, in the early years, um, I would say mid-90s, around that time, 91 to 95. And I left, came back in 2006 due to a family tragedy, um, and then been here ever since, building roots up in the town. Um, got involved with jiu-jitsu about the time I came back, and so pretty much that's what I've been doing um, with my life since I got back into Las Vegas. Uh, uh, as I moved back into town, um, I was introduced to Mika um, doing jiu-jitsu, who was my professor. So that's pretty much um, the little bit of background about me as far as how I got to Las Vegas and why what I'm doing now. Awesome. That's that's dope. Mm-hmm. So, you were you born in New Jersey? I was born in New York. Okay. My father's from Brooklyn and my mother's from uh, New Jersey. Okay. Our family, our families uh, immigrated to the country a long time ago. So, uh, my, my most of my family is on the East Coast. I would say pretty much all of my family. I have a few cousins and relatives in California, but uh, other besides the East Coast, you know, a couple of relatives outside the country, but pretty much, yeah, my roots are on the East Coast. Dang. So, my mother moved back here. 
Um, I grew up in Atlantic City, New Jersey, so okay. South Jersey, and you know, casinos. That was the only place on the East Coast at one time that had casinos. So uh, the casino life kind of, you know, that kind of revolves around a little bit, and so that brought that's what brought us here to Las Vegas. So right. just looking uh, at the time my mother had remarried, it was, he was looking for a better opportunity in the casino life. Um, Atlantic City is kind of not compared to what it is like Las Vegas, totally different. So the life is, is, is much different compared to the two casino towns. This is a much more larger scale as Atlantic City is a smaller scale in the casinos. At the time when uh, the East Coast didn't have gambling, mm-hmm. so Atlantic City was like the biggest place. Um, or walk the beach, but pretty much it's not much of that left as it is today. And Atlantic, and, and Las Vegas is the entertainment capital of the world, so right. that's how I got out here originally. Okay, okay, that's what's up. Um, mm-hmm. So coming from from the from the East Coast, and you were saying your parents immigrated over here. I see you speak Portuguese a lot around the gym. What nationalities are you actually? Well, um, my father's family is from Puerto Rico. Okay, and so his uh, our family uh, migrated. My great grandmother. Came from Puerto Rico in the early, I would say, around the 30s, 40s. Our family came there. My mother's family is from Barbados, so I have relatives all over, and I have relatives in Brazil. So speak okay. a couple of languages, uh, fluent in in three languages actually: uh, Spanish, English, and Portuguese. Um, speak a little bit of other languages that are c- connected to it, so a little bit of Italian stuff like that, just because they're very similar. Right. Don't speak French or don't understand much French. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much how I speak a couple of languages. That's dope. Mm-hmm. So, what at what age did you move? Did you start coming over to Vegas? Um, so I came here at fourteen years old, nineteen ninety one. Okay. Um, for me, it was a total culture shock. I had not, I only been out to the West Coast um, one time in my life before we moved. That was nineteen eighty eight. Because, like I said, I have a a cousin, or I have a couple of cousins who grew up in California. They grew up in. Um, in the Pomona area. Okay. So um, my cousin, I visited him in 1988. And at that time, uh, he took me around. So he was working for Sports Illustrated at the time. And I had been like, you know, a Lakers fan since birth, you know, just came up uh, for whatever reason, just loving the Lakers. And uh, my cousin was kind of part of that as well. So he actually worked for Sports Illustrated. And so as a kid, my only experience with the West Coast was when I came out here to visit him. Um, I think I was 11 years old. Damn. So mind you, with this cousin, he took me wherever he went, I went with him. So that means if he had to do a photo shoot, I was there. If he had to go to a game, I was there. So I got to meet, you know, he was, so he was friends, in the, of course, in the L.A. basketball scene with a lot of people, um, friends with Magic. And then his wife or ex-wife at the time, I guess now, at the time his wife and uh, my aunt, she worked in the Lakers front office. So oh, actually, yeah, my brother was a Laker ball boy at one time. Damn. Um, I got to go to some of the, well, I got to go to a charity game. It was a um, Magic Johnson All-Star game. Mm-hmm. So I got to meet a lot of the Lakers, Laker girls at that time. So that was my only experience with the West Coast. And it was a very confined experience. Right. And then basically what I seen on TV. So then, um, you know, 1991, at the time, UNLV was big in basketball. I think UNLV had won. So everybody in my neighborhood knew who UNLV rep running Rebels was because right. that was, like, pretty big. So that was my only experience with Las Vegas. Boom, 1991, we hop on the plane. I think it was right after Christmas at nighttime. We come here in the Las Vegas. It was at that time, 1991, it wasn't much going on in Vegas. It was growing, but 
you know, it was still a small town. So yeah. that's when I came here, 14 years old, got the culture shock of my life because I was used to the Atlantic City slums and New Jersey slums and things like that. And at, the, at that time, uh, you know, the East Coast was coming out of the late 90s into the early uh, eight, late 80s going into the early 90s. So that was a really influential time at that time, you know. So for me, it was like coming out here was a total culture shock. And the West Coast was a culture shock at that time, coming out of the late 80s into the early 90s. So, you know, heavy gang culture. Right. Um, so it was definitely something I wasn't ready for when we came. But, you know, you get in where you fit in. Yeah. That's what we learned. Um, and I pretty much learned Las Vegas. And uh, as I left high school, I, you know, I was pretty known around the city. So well, it was a small town. To um, I bounced around. Uh, well, actually, first I ended up in uh, alternative school. So I had some fortunate, misfortunes in uh, uh, junior high school that got me into trouble, that got me uh, expelled from school. So I actually went to school right down the street from where we're at, East Bonanza, at the Juvenile Justice Facility School. Okay. <laughs> so I did, because when I moved here, I think I moved here, I did eighth grade, and then I was kicked out in the ninth grade. Damn. So uh, as soon as I got here, because I heard it came from getting into a lot of trouble coming from the East Coast, where I came from. So as uh, soon as I got in, like I said, get in where you fit in. And I think I was expelled from school uh, the next year. And then I went to uh, alternative school. So I was actually kicked out of the school district. Dang. Yeah, so I was, I was over at what we call, it's not, it's not alternative, it's opportunity. Op, yeah. Yeah, so you, you had to wear khakis and a white t-shirt <laughs> yeah. with, white, with white shoes. You got, to, you got on the bus, everybody knew who you was waiting at the bus stop. <laughs> And uh, so that was the first school I went to. So that was pretty much my high school, junior high, high school, up until the end of my 10th grade year. And then uh, I worked my way out from opportunity to alternative just because I happened to be a bright student. Mm -hmm. And everybody in there was, you know, pretty much kicked out for the worst things you could do at school. And uh, I ended up at Green Valley. Okay. So, yeah, I got, ended up at Green Valley High School. Um, it was, I think, uh, Green Valley had just opened, 93. Maybe around that time. So I think I ended up in there about 93. Dang. So into my 10th grade, which was 93, um, spent my 11th grade. Then I graduated from Clark because we had ended up moving right across the street from Clark. Okay. And so I ended up graduating from Clark. So, yeah, that was my high school experience. Dang, from the Gators to the Chargers, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Dang. It was quick. You know, four years went by quick here. It was like, but it seemed like an eternity. Oh, yeah. But it went by quick. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. High school years does seem like forever. It did. It takes a long time. But it was a short time, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I was out. Went back home. Went back east. You went back east? Yeah. I, I didn't like Vegas at the time. Okay. It was. It just wasn't the place that I wanted to be. I wanted to be back home. Um, I did have a great, you know, great upbringing, I guess, in the sense of just how Las Vegas was close knit back then. It was small. The schools were small. Everybody knew everybody. You knew everything that happened at all the high schools. Um, right. But then pretty much after that, it, was, it wasn't much going on. So I went back, um, just kind of was missing a lot of other relatives and friends and things like that that I hadn't seen in a long time. So once I had the opportunity to leave and go to college, I went back east. Okay. Mm -hmm. You went back to New Jersey? I actually um, went back. I actually went back first to New York and lived with some relatives. But uh, New York City life is kind of fast and you can just, yeah. you know, you get with relatives and you're just hanging out. But it was uh, mostly on my breaks. So I went to school in Virginia. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I went yeah. to school in Virginia. Um, I went to Hampton University to real HU. Damn. So I went to Hampton University, and then I ended up there until I got kicked out of there, too. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. 
Uh, yeah, so did about three years of college. Back and then after that, went off until yeah, ended out in Vegas. Dang. So you went from college straight back here? No, actually, after college, um, most of my friends graduated, and I was kind of still hanging around the college. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at the time, like I said, on my college breaks, I was going back and forth between back home in Jersey or New York, depending on where I was at, back to school. And then I just finally went back up to New Jersey just to stay. For a little while. And then that's the, I stayed in New Jersey for most of the time, and then until I ended up in Baltimore, Maryland, and after Baltimore, I came here. Dang, you moved around a lot in these. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had to get, yeah, New Jersey is like, you know, New Jersey is, is rough, so if you just stay there, if you ain't got nothing going on, there's nothing to do there. Dang. It's like, just just trouble. You get in trouble? Yeah, get in trouble, or just be around it, or just be in, you know, so, I mean, I love New Jersey to death. I, I, you know, I miss it at times, but the cold weather, you know, the grit. It just like you know that it's a different time right 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 yeah, but that's what it was so I ended up from new jersey maryland and then i came back to vegas damn didn't expect to didn't actually didn't even want to but at the time like i said uh late 90s early 2000s vegas was starting to make a shift mm-hmm. and change and grow then by after 2000 it exploded and then i say 2000 to 2005 the city was growing 2005 it had exploded yeah 2006 i i, I landed Okay. It was a different Las Vegas. Oh, so you came back in 06. Came back in 06. Dang. So throughout this whole, your whole journey, we're going to get into your Mm -hmm. jujitsu journey, but from the beginning, did you have any inclinations towards martial arts at all? Oh, um, definitely was a martial artist since birth. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I guess in my neighborhood at that time, again, for us, early 80s, it was uh, Kung Kung Fu Sundays, you know, um... We grew up between, like I said, between New York and New Jersey. So at that time, in the early 80s, Kung Fu was a big thing. So mm-hmm. Shaw Brothers, uh, you know, all the stuff that the Wu-Tang Clan talks about, they're actually talking about right now. Uh, you know, Five Venoms, all these different movies that we watched growing up, you know, the 36 Chambers. So martial arts was just something like, you know, I used to have the the ninja shoes. I had to get me the ninja shoes and the little, you know, the whole little outfit, ninja stars, everything. We thought we was ninjas. Damn. I did karate as a kid. Didn't last long because that stuff didn't work in my neighborhood. Right. You know, and you had to fight. So walking out the front door, you know, you pretty much had to fight. Yeah. You had to, up and down the block, you was going to fight. So around the corner, different neighborhoods, you know, all that stuff. So wherever you was going, you might be fighting every day. Damn. So, you know, karate was just something that my parents put me in to give me a little structure. Right. But, you know, once I tried it and didn't work, I didn't go back to karate anymore. <laughs> right. I kind of had that same experience. I uh, I entered karate, I think I was like in second grade. Mm-hmm. I got in my first fight and I got my ass whooped. Yeah. And I was like, wait, you're supposed to sit here while I do these forms. Yeah, yeah. My mother used to dress me up, so I used to have to fight a lot. Because, you know, she would put my clothes out for me. So that thing, I think that was causing me the most fights in my life. Okay. She thought I was like her little doll. So she would send me to school with the clothes that you know you was going to get teased on. <laughs> you, know, I'm, you know, I think the fight that I had, we'll never forget it, that made me quit karate was she sent me to school looking like Michael Jackson. <laughs> I had patent leather pants on that she had with, you know, she had to go all the way up to get them. She had to go far to get them. So I had to wear them. I think I had some penny loafer shoes on or whatever it was. So I had to go to school looking like this. <laughs> and, you know, kids started making jokes. And then that was it. I was fighting. Dang. I think, you know. And then uh, I think I tried to do a karate kick. And the, the kid grabbed my leg and threw me on the ground. So just like they say, it happened. You know, like when we say in jiu-jitsu, that actually happened to me. You know, it, it, 
that karate and I went home that karate stuff don't work no no yeah, no not in the street it's 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 nice to look at but it, it, it doesn't yeah. work it makes you okay, me and my brother we used to think we was kung fu specialists jumping off of you know dresses and all types of stuff that and wrestling so we watched yeah. a lot of that in the wrestling so he thought you were Jimmy Fly snooker jumping oh, yeah. off elbowing people or Jake the Snake get somebody to DDT <laughs> even in my neighborhood they used to put people to sleep in the sleeper you know you put somebody oh, the sleeper in the sleeper oh, hole yeah. back in the day oh man you get put to sleep real quick he wasn't paying attention damn so all of those things I think about so it kind of comes back full circle right um, loving I still love uh, kung fu flicks and the movies and things like that so yeah, I guess I would say I had a knack for martial arts. And I think I consider myself an ultimate martial artist. Um, just having the experience of trying martial arts as a younger child, um, being in love with the martial art uh, culture, um, the whole Asian culture. I definitely was into that as a kid. And uh, so studied a lot of that. And so I just kind of came full circle, came back here and ended up in the martial art. Nice. Mm-hmm. So when you when you moved out here, there wasn't that much martial arts here. And when you first moved out here, right? Oh man, when he first moved here, wasn't nothing going on. I think I said, like I said at the time, uh, Las Vegas was coming out of the the eighties, mm-hmm. which was the seventies and eighties, which was a different time. So when we when we got here, it was that ninety one. So I think you would say eighty eight, eighty nine, ninety was really heavy gang activity yeah. here. So you know. You, you stayed on certain parts of town, and every part of town was, was somewhat segregated in a sense. So right. you had to be in a part of town if you wanted to not be a, around that, because a lot of times the schools were, the kids were bused to different schools. So you ended up, you could be in a good neighborhood or good school, but you might get kids from a gang neighborhood bused to your school. So it brings that gang element. Right. So, you know, at that time, it wasn't much really going on in Las Vegas, it was really only a gambling town. So for kids, it wasn't much to do but get in trouble. So it was a lot of, and then there was a lot of gangbanging. So you really had to watch where you went, um, you know, whether it be school or school parties, you had to watch what you wear, what you wore. So it wasn't nothing other than sports. So most other people were here were playing sports. So I, I, at the time when I came, I was good at baseball. I wasn't good at the other sports. I was a little good at basketball and football, but I never played them like some other people may play really good. I played sports in high school. Didn't play for long, but the sport that I wanted to play, I didn't get to play. So, yeah, Las Vegas life, pretty much riding around on my bike all of Las Vegas, <laughs> going around different sides of town, you know, just getting it in. What side of town did you start in? Uh, I started on the Spring Valley side of town. We started, um, when we first moved, we moved to Jones and Jones and Trop. Oh, okay. Then we got my, I got, we, me and my brother at the time, we was knuckleheads, so we got our parents kicked out of our first apartment. And then we ended up on, uh, and then we ended up on Pinwood, Pinwood and Arville. Okay, that's how I ended up going to Clark. Oh yeah, that yeah, is in yeah. the cut over there yeah. too. Yeah, that is in the so, cut. Yeah. Okay, that's what's up, man. But yeah, so, there wasn't nothing going on. It wasn't no martial arts. It was only karate. But like I said, I wasn't trying to do karate. So um, my mother found other things for me to do to keep me out of trouble. Right. So what what sport did you want to play in high school? What I wanted to like play baseball. Yeah. Actually wanted yeah, I came here wanting to play baseball. That's what I was good at coming from New Jersey. We played a lot of baseball, so that was what I thought I was gonna be a baseball player at that time. But uh when we came out here it just didn't happen. So yeah. We just got we just was hanging out in the streets and then again I was all over, east side, west side, you know. So those are the parts of the towns I pretty much spent most of my time in. Um down there by Clark too. The Pinwood Arville area. Okay. So yeah, and it was it was hard to get out of Vegas at that time for like sports players too, huh? 
uh, I guess yes and no. Um, there was a lot of people that did come up, but uh, they, you know, Prince Fowler, he he was here. He left. He went to play at I think a TCU. Oh, okay. Um, there was a couple of other people. Uh, a friend of mine, Larry Anderson, he was really good. He went to Valley, played basketball. He was pretty much top ranked. So was Prince was top ranked. Um, they left. They played. Uh, who else? What was the um, guy played on the Suns? He was from here as well. Played basketball. Oh, Sean Marion. Yeah, Sean oh, Marion. Yeah. He was from Las Vegas. You know, so it was people going for sports. Um, the guys from my high school, Green Valley, um, I would say five or six went to college. Top picks. Oh, dang. You know, going to college, yep, quarterback was pretty good. Uh, some of the guys that Mitch was talking about, Mitch, Mitch Bowles. So, yeah, you know, these guys were big. Las Vegas sports had always been been big. Gorman, always big. Green Valley, always big. Still are to this day. Yeah. Gorman is much bigger now. Right. You know, they, they got that stadium. Now. Yeah, they got dorms. They recruiting. That's crazy. You know, they used to be right over here. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> In real. In the hood. Yep. <laughs> That actually, uh, for a couple a couple years, El Dorado bought that little campus that they used to have. Mm-hmm. I went there my freshman year. It was pretty crazy to see all the, all the crosses. And then they moved one of the crosses and put a sun devil because I went to El Dorado. I was like, this can't be right. <laughs> this can't be right. But yeah, it's yeah. it's cool, man. So from from high school, after you when you came back to Vegas, mm-hmm. did you jump straight into jujitsu? From I there? think I, I jumped straight into it. Um, when I moved back, um, we had some unfortunate circumstances in my family, so that caused me kind of to move back. Like I said, I had it planned on coming back to Las Vegas, mm-hmm. um, but then some things happened, and then I ended up back in Las Vegas. Um, not too long after that, uh, my daughter was she was born in two thousand seven. So when I got back about two thousand six, um, my daughter's uh, uncle he he was uh, fighting MMA and he was training over at the gym. He just took me over there, you know, just for a fondness, fondness of fighting and things like that. Um, again, martial arts. He was just talking to me. We were living in the same house. And he brought me over to the gym. Um, knew what jiu-jitsu was because I knew what, you know, what UFC was. Okay. Again, being a person that did see some martial arts. Uh, big fan of blood sport, the kumite. Oh, yeah. So that was like really big. Again, any any martial art flick that you that you can think of or you can pull up, I seen it, looked for it, <laughs> and big fan of it. So I think... That was a big thing. And then I heard the UFC where they had this kumite and people were fighting with bare knuckles and it was just like blood sport. Right. Mm. And there you go. And then you see this dude with like they call pajamas on at the time. Yeah. People didn't know. But, you know, wearing a gi before I knew it was a gi. And, you know, you see the fight. And the next thing you know, it was like, banned. you can't watch it no more. It was it was on. It was bloody. And then it was like getting banned. And on the East Coast, they banned it really bad. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was banned in New York until not too long ago. Actually, MMA was banned in New York, the last state, I think, to, oh, yeah. to lift the ban on uh, MMA. And they still have a little weird rules about it, too. Yeah. And so that pretty much is what happened. And then that you didn't see much anymore. And so, boom, flash forward to 2006, you come to Las Vegas and, you know, a little small gym in the middle of the desert, Team Mika, and they were making noise. And uh, jiu-jitsu was really starting to grow. Wasn't that big. I think uh, I had just left Brazil for where they brought the worlds to America. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people were making their name at that time still in Brazil. So jiu-jitsu was still stuck in the sense of what it is today, still stuck in Brazil. And then it was coming over here slowly. So I think I came right around that time and the UFC was coming up. So people started switching from other fighting styles. So if you might have been boxing or kickboxing or Muay Thai or something like that, wrestling... You might want to jump into this thing called MMA. 
um, because it gives you a better option of fighting. Yeah. So I guess that was the thing. And so, like I said, uh, my daughter's uncle was fighting MMA and he took me to the gym. He was a blue belt at the time, Kelly Gray. And uh, Big Kelly took me there and that was it. And I, I was hooked. Uh-huh. I, got, I went in there with the mindset that, oh, you know, I'm just going to go in here and see what they're doing, see what's going on, check it out. I like to work out. I like to do different things at the time. I was just working out. So I was saying, let me find something new. And uh, again, I had just got here. So not again, you know, Vegas, uh, if you come to Vegas and if you don't have control, you can fall prey to the nightlife. Yeah. You know, you could be, a, you can be that victim of the nightlife and yeah. just kind of not much going on. So you end up just doing whatever else that Las Vegas is known for. So I was looking for something to do. And then that was it. I walked in. Hooked, been hooked ever since. Stopped for a little while. I think that everybody has that little time where they're going through some things and yeah. they're trying to figure it out if I'm doing this as a hobby or if I'm just doing this or what do I want to use this for? So everybody has that stage. But uh, yeah, been stuck with it. So, or it's been stuck with me. And now, you know, yeah, pulled me in. And that was his, um, Mika was telling me about his old gym. Was it called Excel or something? No, he, that was a gym that he had. He actually been around... He, I would say he brought the jiu-jitsu, he didn't bring jiu-jitsu to Las Vegas, but I would say he brought it to where he brought a light to Las uh-huh. Vegas. Um, he had already been around the game for a while, so he was the part of those early 90s, so where people were kind of like the four, I wouldn't say forefathers, but they had laid that groundwork for what jiu-jitsu is today, so some of the, you know, the old school, as you might say. So he was around that, around the Gracie family. Um, around Hicks and Gracie, around a lot of the time when they were fighting in the UFC, when they were doing the challenges, when they were doing all of these things. He was around that. So he knows what happened. He knows the history. So he brought that here um, just by having relatives in Las Vegas area. So, you know, he bounced around all around the United States, Rhode Island. Uh, I think he was even in Alaska at one time. Oh, what? Yeah. Um, California, Utah, and then Las Vegas. Dang. If I'm not, if I'm correct. Um and so then, you know, so he was bringing the noise and we were a small gym. You mm-hmm. know, it was like, I think the size, not too much bigger than this little room that we had. <laughs> yeah, it was a tight space, but it was like, it was, it was, it was good times. You know, we had really good times there. And so then, you know, the team really grew from that little small space to where we are today. And that's a testament to show you what just somebody can do coming, you know, to this country right. with a little bit of money in English and being able to create something so big, you know, it's a testament to that individual. So I would say he, he laid the seeds. Again, jiu-jitsu was here with other people, but when you thought about jiu-jitsu in Las Vegas, you definitely thought of Mika. And I was around a lot of that. You know, he worked for the UFC. I seen him ref corner guys in the UFC. I know he was working with the UFC at times, helping them out when they were doing things here. Um, so many UFC fighters of old, the legends, they would come through the gym, you know, you might train with them. I've seen so many legends of the sport just be in the gym, either teaching a class or training or rolling or staying here, living with him. So, you know, you got to meet a lot of guys. So, you know, I was in the mix of that. For me, I was coming up in around that time, but I had already, you know, spent most of my younger years. So I, I think when I got started, I was about 29. Oh, okay. So I was coming up around that time. And then that was it. You know, he introduced me to to the fight side of it, of competing. And again, I've been hooked ever since. Um, it's definitely, you can live those martial art uh, fantasies out through jujitsu. Yeah. You get to actually do that every day and actually live it. And 
kind of live what the movies talked about. So it's kind of fun doing that. And then, you know, it's something to keep you occupied for a lot, keeps your mind occupied. It's really mm-hmm. good. So I found those benefits out to be really exciting for me. And I like things. That's what I went to school for with psychology. So I like things that kind of play with the mind. Okay. So that's how I, I, I got so interested in it. And then after that, you know, sky was the limit. Dang. So when in your jiu-jitsu career did you start uh, competing? Ah, man, I think the first the first month. Of, oh, really? Like, I, I think I was maybe three months in. And Mika said, we got a tournament coming up. And I was like, oh, I see. At the time, you know, he used to hang up all the medals in the gym. Mm-hmm. So everybody had their picture with their medals all up on the gym. So it was a big thing. You walk in, you see this guy right here. He got like 100 medals on the wall. And, you know, you see your little picture with like one medal. You're like, oh, <laughs> man, I want to you know, compete and keep doing this because it's real fun. Something to get prepared for. I think that's what competition does, no matter where you're fighting mm-hmm. at it, you know, how, how big or how small. Again, like they say, it's for your journey. So each person, you give yourself some sort of preparation. So that preparation, again, for whoever it may be or that individual, can be a big deal. So, you know, I think competing keeps you somewhat chasing something. And, you know, we're all chasing something. So I think that tournament gives you that feeling of that you're still kind of relevant in life. And so that you want to have something to live for. Again, each tournament for each individual is different. You know, some people still trying to compare where they're at in the tournament scene and Mm -hmm. what they did and what they didn't do or what you can or can't do. You know, I think to each individual, to each his own, let him have his his fun with whatever he's doing in it because it doesn't do nothing but give you good benefits. You know, if you find the goodness in it and do the right thing with it. But um, so that's when I got started with the compete. I think about three months and he threw me in a tournament said, try it. I was like, I don't think I'm ready. He's like, nobody's ready. Just go and do it. You know, you'll, you'll see. You like it pretty strong. You know, you'll like, you'll like it. And yep, for sure. I think I, I, I died on my first tournament. You know, didn't have any energy, but I loved it. Yeah. So you got the itch from there? For, right from there. Then I just been competing, you know, small at the beginning. It was, it was a small step, small pace. But I think uh, what I found out with jujitsu that, uh, if you really want to win at it, you have to submerge yourself into it. I think that was the only thing I, if I could redo, I probably would have submerged myself a little bit more. My first couple of years were kind of like the slow pace, you know. So the slow pace, you know, everything moves at a slower pace, and you learn at a slower pace, and you progress at a slower pace. So sometimes that that isn't so enthusiastic. So um, I think that would be the only thing I would probably have done, got more into the tournament scene, just to get more well versed in what happens. Yeah, because you need to know what you're doing. It's like, you know, most people prepare their whole life playing a sport or yeah. playing something. So, you know, they have already done that, you know. So when you jump into it, I think, you know, if you kind of take it piece, uh, slow pace or, you know, piece by piece, it takes a little time. And so you have to get a little used to it. So it took a while to get used to. It took a while to get good. Yeah. You know? I guess that's what made me the light bulb go off. I think you really have to dedicate. So once that did start seeing other things progress in your life if you just put a little dedication into it. Right, right. So at in your jiu-jitsu career, when did you start taking it serious? Because if you don't know, this this man here has been mm-hmm. knocking down tournaments all year, mm-hmm. all year. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, another gold, another gold. Um, yeah, I'm in the Master 3 division, so that's like uh, what some people might call the old man division. No. But, uh, yeah, no. Um, I didn't start getting good until I would say end of my blue belt. That's usually when you, if, if you didn't take it serious already coming from white to blue, you probably start taking it serious around the end of your blue belt career. Um, I think that's when I, you know, I had some life ups and downs while I was doing jujitsu. Mm-hmm. 
And so I had stopped for a little while just to kind of take some time off and, and deal with some family issues. And at the time, I was thinking like, man, you know, I love jujitsu when I was doing it. But at the same time, you know, you hear people saying like, oh, what are you doing this for? Or why are you doing that? Or what is this? You know, oh, are, you, are you doing this now? Are you doing karate? You know, it's all types of things you hear that yeah. has nothing to do with what you're actually doing. <laughs> Um, are you fighting MMA? You in the UFC? You know, it's this, that, and the third. So people are asking you, oh man, you know, you still fighting? You out here rolling around? You go to the gym? You know, it's a hobby? You pay for this? You know, it's all these questions that you get asked. Yeah. But nobody asks you what's this doing for you. They ask you, you know, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. And so um, I guess as I started realizing that, look, you know, if you want to do this and compete with it and be good at it, you need to put some time into it. So again, like I said, I stopped and, uh, dealt with some family issues and when it was gone and I wasn't doing it, I realized how I needed it. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was focused on other things. Actually, I was doing music. So, okay. Yeah, I used to do music. Actually, <laughs> I was really involved in music and I was on the local scene. I was trying at that time, be like dib and dabble with uh, staying here and maybe moving to LA. Um, so I was working with local artists and we were just, you know, on the road a lot, but I was doing jujitsu on the side. like. Let me do this to keep my body right, my mind right, and try to stay healthy, you know, because with studio life, you're in the studio all night, you know, you got to kind of live the studio life and yeah. the music life. And sometimes, you know, depending on your, your family situation, you know, it, it's not the best life. You know, it could be a great life if, for whoever it may be, but sometimes it's not the best, you know, depending on your situation. Mm -hmm. But uh, at that time, I was focused on that. Um, and so I really had the belief that I was going to be doing that. Um, but when I stopped doing the jujitsu and focused more on the other things, I realized how much I missed it and how much I wanted to do it and how much it was doing good for me. And so I just decided to make a choice. I was making a choice. Uh, I was kind of like just, I wouldn't say fed up, but I was just kind of done with the music business and the whole thing about trying to chase that dream of the music business. Um, you know, you get close, but you don't know how close is really close. Mm -hmm. And there's just so much going on. But I was really falling in love with jiu-jitsu and it was becoming more of a passion than the music was. And so I was training more than doing the music. So I would have studio sessions and things I needed to do. And I was running from the gym right to the session and it was it was wearing me out. You yeah. know, so it was like train and then stay up till who knows, three in the morning, four in the morning. So not only wearing me, I was wearing the family out. So I think I just decided to let it all go. I sold all my equipment, gave up all the music, all the, everything I was doing with music, and I just said, I'm going back to the gym. That's what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Damn. That's a big jump. Yeah, it was, a big, it was definitely a big jump. Man. And so that's when I got into it and I started competing. But then I start realizing, man, as I got more into it, and then, like I said, life, I had some, some family issues and family situations that caused me to kind of like make a choice. Mm -hmm. Do I need, to, I need to focus on this to make a living or do I just need to do this as a hobby? So I chose to do it as a living and make a choice to say, this is what I'm going to do as a living because I can see a great living with this. Like I see when it's done for individuals that come from all walks of life, whether they had struggles or hard times or they just had a regular normal life. You know, it does great wonders for people. So I said, let me do this. I'm going to do this. You know, I think I can do this. I'm really into it. I believe I can do it. And, you know, I, I felt that I had a, a talent for it, a knack for it, especially for me coming from the sports side. Wasn't too many sports that I felt that I had a knack for. So um, that's when I started to take it serious. But then, you know, again, being here, having to pay bills, got to get a job, stuff like that. It, yeah. was, it was affecting my training. And I wanted to be in the gym all day long. And uh, at that time, I, you know, I was working. So then I, I got laid off my job. This is where I had met uh, 
Mitch again, you know, we had knew each other through the, the high school years, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, we just happened to bump into each other again at work and that's how we got involved in the, the jujitsu together. Okay. And everybody was always, you know, oh, you coming to work looking like you just got out of a fight, you know, <laughs> that was me. So I had, I was the topic of discussion all the time at work. <laughs> and, uh, uh, they were doing downsizing and, you know, for whatever reason I, I was laid off and I was like, man, I had to make some life decisions right there and things were hard trying to do jujitsu full time and then again have to take care of a family yeah so the opportunity for me to live with some relatives had came up for me to leave the country so i decided to leave the country so i could mm. put full time in the jujitsu because that's what i could afford i could afford to live in a foreign country and live outside of the country because i had money for that but i didn't have money to stay here and train full time so i made that decision to kind of like make a transition to live from here to live in Brazil to train full time. Dang. So how long were you in Brazil for? Uh, I stayed longer than I was supposed to stay. <laughs> so I stayed for close to a year. Oh, man. Um, because I was in between trying to do my citizenship and, and my visa. So I was going through all the, the bureaucracy and the ropes of getting my citizenship to stay in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, took a, it took a long time. And so I stayed past the, the, the time that my visa allowed. And so then by the time that it was time for me to go, which I didn't want to go, um, I had to come back to resolve some legal issues. So when I went back, you know, I had to deal with legal issues when I went back to Brazil because I had stayed over my visa stay. So then they, I had to pay a fine and they gave me like extended stay. So I had been back and forth, like I would say, you know, almost four or five years I was going back and forth, just kind of trying to, you know, where I stayed the one long period of time was about eight months. Then came back, then with another couple, about three, four months, then came back with another couple of months. So I was just trying to train as much as I could at the time and, you know, survive. Mm -hmm. So at that time, I was living, living in Rio, just, just surviving and training full time. Damn. So I didn't have to work. So that's what the good thing was about it. So that's why I went. So I didn't have to work. Um, but then my, my daughter was having some visa issues of trying to come visit. And uh, so that's what decided to make me come back um, because... We couldn't get her to come visit as much as I wanted. So that was one of the main reasons why I made that decision not to live there. And it was a good decision because Brazil kind of went down. At the time when I was staying there, it was at its peak. It was doing really well. Economy was doing great. The government was great. Things were great. Right now, it's not doing so great somewhat. So a lot more people are coming here. So, yeah. But I had a great time. It was like, you know, it was an awesome experience. My second home. So, yeah, that's, that's how I got really deep into it. And so... Being over there, competing, training every day, living the life. And then when I came back, you know, I got jumped right back into it. And then I was able to start training and actually start teaching around that time here and there. So that's when I started getting introduced to teaching. Did you get promoted or anything while you were up there? No, I didn't want to. Um, okay. um, they wanted me to wait to get promoted because they, uh, Holker, it was Holker Gracie, who was the, the professor at the time at that gym, He wasn't my original professor, so, you know, he was giving me the option either staying and letting him take care of it or come back and have Mika. So I think I was out there. Um, I went out there. I got my purple belt. So I was a purple belt when I was out there. Came back, got my brown, went back out there a little bit more, trained when I was a brown belt, came back, then stayed for sure. And I started teaching around here as a purple belt for a little while. And so, yeah, I got promoted all here um, under Mika. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 I had liked going back and forth you know because mm -hmm. you get you 
you miss something about one place or the other yeah. wherever you are. When you're there, you're missing something here. When you're here, you're missing something there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was better to kind of go back and forth. So hopefully in the future one day I can own a vacation home or something like that. Yeah. Just go around vacation homes. I can go where I want. Right. <laughs> Speak it into but existence. yeah, that's how I pretty much got into a full-fledged. And then when I, again, when I came back, I didn't want to work. So I was looking for whatever I could do full-time to, to train full-time. Some opportunities arose, and then I was able to start teaching. That's when I got on the road to teaching, and then uh, that's when jujitsu really opened up for me. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's how I pretty much my journey, I would say, through jujitsu, and you know, meeting guys, training with guys, hanging with people, making new friends. That's one of the awesome things. You can go around different places in the world, meet new people, hang out. You know, you meet really like-minded, cool people. So I think that's one of the awesome things about jujitsu. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, whenever you came back, um, when did when did the, you start teaching? Like in the UFC gym over there. Oh well. So again, the the journey to teaching was a funny story. So <laughs> it, it it happened. You know, a lot of things that happened in my life happened with these funny stories or these these situations that happened that kind of catapult you into something else. So, like I said, when I came back, I was just training, um, and you know, I was just getting opportunity to do kids classes here and there, teaching as a purple belt. Um, you were, I wasn't teaching adults. I was mainly teaching kids' classes and maybe a few nogi classes, adults. Um, and one day I was in the gym training, just, you know, training with some guys. And there were some MMA guys training in there that trained with us that fought MMA. We've always had a lot of MMA guys. So, you know, we were just training hard. And I, I got my nose broken during training. And the guy that broke my nose had been teaching, but he was going to be moving out of the state. And so he was just like, hey, man, you know, I can help you out. I know you don't got no insurance. <laughs> so here's some classes if you want to run them over there. i let you introduce you to this guy, and he'll hook you up, and you can start teaching some classes at this small gym. So I was like, hey, cool, you know, let me talk to Mika. And he was like, yeah, man, start going over there and, you know, training some guys, see how it goes. So then I was training there, and then, you know, I kind of grew a little buzz for myself amongst people. And then uh, I got a phone call from the UFC gym on the southwest part of Las Vegas to – come over here and do like a little program. You know, they wanted to kind of organize the program. So that's when I started training people over there, kind of set up a little program with the team. And, you know, we were doing well. And it was, just, you know, some guys that had been following me around from the little gyms that I was teaching at. And then uh, from there, we decided that uh, the best opportunity, I guess, to really run a gym would to actually be to run a gym. So that, that opportunity arose after, uh, you know, some years of me getting my black belt. And so, I, you know, that opportunity came. And then Mika was like, hey, let's do it. And uh, me and Mika decided that we were going to just, you know, expand on the gym. You know, he had at the time he only had he had uh, Charleston, which was the main center. And then a few people started to open gyms other places and other parts of the town because, you know, Vegas is growing. Yeah. And as it grows bigger and bigger, it makes things further and further. And the traffic gets a little bit rougher and longer. So people decided to, you know, uh, stay in their parts of town so you know you have to kind of address that and so that's how it happened i ended up on the side of town that i did based on the ufc gym you know making a, a, a following of people within that neighborhood in that area and at the time the area wasn't even developed yet yeah. now it's developed and people are moving in faster and faster and the area is growing bigger so we hope to grow with the area in the neighborhood so that was one of the things i wanted to do was grow with the new neighborhood in las vegas which i think is awesome yeah definitely yeah so that's how i got into teaching and um, so I see a lot of people from our gym actually followed you from the UFC gym. Yeah, some people came. Um, some people came. And, you know, again, with jujitsu, it's just a journey where you might come, do it for a little while, stop, come back, may not. You know, so people followed me. 
to that part of the gym because again we were in other gyms so you know you, you have to kind of uh, follow the rules of other gyms because we were working within other gyms that weren't jujitsu gyms they right. were just gyms you know like uh, fitness gyms or weights gyms um uh, the time ufc gym had just switched over from la boxing so they still had a boxing following you know we used to we'd be guys in there zab judah was in there training you oh, have damn. guys come in yeah from the ufc you know just come in there and train they still have boxing rings and things like that so you know we were kind of like trying to be more traditional instead of more of a focus of a universal gym, mm-hmm. which I think is a good idea, but at the time we just were looking for different things. And so that's how, uh, yeah, we separated. And some of those people, once we moved, they wanted to be in a more solidified place too, you know, something you can call home. Everybody wants a place to call home, yeah. you know? So that's how we got over there. And then those people start following. And once, you know, we put the sign up and people seen the gym in the neighborhood, you know, like like you say, they, like, you know, you build it, they will come. Yeah, for sure. That's how I ran into <laughs> yeah, the gym. Yeah, feel the dreams. Yeah, I was actually just driving up the street and I saw a jujitsu sign. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, let me check this out sometime. Yeah. Mad of dreams. That's <laughs> <what> I, <you laughs> <know>. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So speaking of your teaching, um, the I'd have to say our Gracie team, Gracie Blue Diamond, especially has some killers at the at the kids mm-hmm. as the kids, and this man's leading the forefront here. How does it feel like, because I see a lot of kids are very inspired by you. A lot of the kids are following by example, mm-hmm. the example you lead by. How does that How does that make you feel whenever you touch a kid that way? Like they they really follow your example. Um, it gives me, I guess, the motivation um, to to do what I'm doing. I think I I think I was chosen to work with youth. Um, for whatever reason, I think it has to do more with my past. Um, so I had been working with a lot of youth as I did grow up, um, you know, I, as I had made different moves. So when I did move to Baltimore, Maryland, I started working with the youth in various different areas, mainly with uh, troubled youth, with kids that had, you know, different situations happen to them in life. So I got to kind of experience many different avenues that kids or youth have gone through that may... Um, have caused some, I would say, stress or distress or situations um, to accumulate in their lives that may have caused them to get in trouble. And so I was always trying to uh, help people, uh, well, help the youth more, say. You know, I like to help people, but I think the youth was the main focus of mine. Um, to try to have them give them an avenue other than what there might be out there for them. Mm-hmm. What the wonderful thing I do like about jujitsu, which I think I saw the first day, because like I said, before I moved, back to Las Vegas, I had worked and, you know, Baltimore, Maryland is a, a really rough town. You mm-hmm. know, it's a, it's a poor, rough town. You know, Baltimore has like always been one of the highest in crime, highest in murders. So, you know, you get to really hear a lot of stories and witness. And then from my own personal experiences, I've grown up as a kid because, you know, I grew up in a tumultuous household. So all of those things that happened, you know, happened to my relatives. So it was just some sort of, uh, a past experience that 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 keeps pushing me to try to help the youth find other avenues that be so positive because there's so much negativity that we don't really see. Right. So nowadays, negativity has become accepted. Where you know when you were growing up, it was still kind of frowned upon. So like in your neighborhood, you know you might have your neighbor see you get in trouble, tell on you. You might get a beaten by your neighbor, <laughs> or you know they tell your parents and you get in trouble. But 
you know, nowadays it's just so easy now. You don't have anybody telling anybody what to do. And when you do, you, people come run down on you and tell you what, you know, not to do. So yeah. it's hard to kind of have somewhat of an experience of what positivity is and to do the right thing and make good choices. So I think jujitsu teaches you to make good choices without having to be told. And that's the one thing I think it's hard when you want to change someone's life, but you have to talk to them. And usually when you work with youth, that's all you're ever doing. You're just kind of talking. You know, and other people use other avenues, sports, you know, sports is one side. So we could say, you know, you want to use that and talk about that. OK, sports, team sports, football, basketball, baseball. You need to be, I would say, somewhat athletically inclined to do one of those sports. The, the reality of it is if you're not, you know, the one at the top, you're just not going to make it. It's so many people trying to make that dream, chase that dream. And they always tell you, you know, you got a backup plan for basketball. You got a backup plan for football. You got a backup plan if you don't make it in one of these sports or whatever it may be. So you still have that avenue of sports. But you may not be a part of that group. You might have been a bench rider. You might have been a player that never got in. You might have been the person on the team that you just don't play your position well. So you you on the team, but you really don't get to play. Or you might not even make the team. You might just get cut. So then there's no sport for you. Um, there may be a sport, but you know you may not like every sport. You yeah. might the sport you wanted to play, you might not have been that great at it, or you might just play just to be on the team because you know they want to give you a consolation prize, so they just put you on the team, get in the last thirty seconds, yeah. you know, just to make your parents satisfied. I think sometimes with that, that that's not for me. You know, I I was experienced with that. I think when I was coming up as a kid, I didn't, I wasn't the greatest on the football team, so I was that third string, second string, maybe got in. So, again, it was relying upon the team sports. So, again, if you didn't fit well in the position they wanted you to play or you just didn't play, same thing with high school. You know, I wanted to play a position. They put me at tight end. You know, it's like, okay, I'm playing tight end. <laughs> you know, so they making me learn this position. I really don't want to learn. Yeah. You know? So, again, and you don't fit in the position well, so then, you know, your size or whatever it may be may inhibit you with that. That's the thing about those sports. Okay, you play basketball. Oh, well, you ain't even six foot. You know, so you already kind of boom. You you just taking off the that first half of the list. So you got to be amazing. You got to be Spud Webb, Muncie yeah. Bowles. Yeah. You know, football. Oh well, you just not fast enough. You know this. You're not powerful enough. You're not tall enough. You this. It could be so many different things of what you not make as. Baseball. That's another hard sport. You know, you can't hit the ball. You can't hit the way they want you to hit it. So so many sports you want to come up in. But you just might not be that person Right. where you come to an individual sport now. Now we say individual sports. So fighting sports, individual sports. So it's really a, based upon me. It's not yeah. based upon my teammates. I don't have to fit into a position. I just have to find what works for me, mm-hmm. where I fit in at. Now, of course, they, do, they require some toughness. But I think if you start with the sport and you're able to overcome and understand that, you're really learning about life. The sport teaches you what life is about, you know, as soon as you come in. You fresh. You're like a newborn baby. Yeah. You just walked in. You don't know nothing. It's like you just was born. So, you know, it's like that. It's like a new beginning. Soon, Every white belt is a new beginning. You step in the door. You have no idea. You can get an assumption, you know, based upon what you see, but you don't have no, no idea until you get touched and you find out. So then you have that whole aspect. And then there's something in it for you. You know, whatever your disability may be, whatever your, your attributes you don't have, that's what it was all based upon. It was based upon what I don't have. So I don't have, but I can still do is what the others do have. So that's that whole idea with jiu-jitsu teaches. So that's why I believe it's a sport that you can use as a tool to change a child's life that may not, you know, have the greatest self-esteem based upon what he's not achieving. Mm-hmm. That could be grades, could be sports, could be home, could be neighborhood, could be so many different things and avenues that happen that keep you from being able to achieve something. So 
again, in my past working with youth, half the time, if it wasn't sports, it was my words. Words don't change the situation. You're not actually pulling them out of that situation to take them away from what it is that's, you know, keeping them in that situation. And that's environment. And sometimes that's the biggest thing. So, you know, being at the gym where you could be at the gym, you know, who knows for how, how many hours you, you being taken away from the environment. Sometimes, whether it be, again, there's so many different negative environments. We're not talking about just community-wise, but just, just negative environments in all aspects. You yeah. know, school negative environment based upon kids bullying you. Yeah. It could be a home negative environment where you have a real situation at your home that's kind of rough. You know, you could have parental situations um, that kind of make your life a little difficult. You know, you could have other situations where you grow up in your neighborhood. And so you, you have an opportunity to get away and be an escape because jujitsu is an escape for that moment that you're in there. It's that hour, two hours you're in there. Your mind is in a total escape. It's not thinking about nothing else because you got to focus on this, this part in this moment right here. Somebody's going to choke you out. Yeah. You're going to feel some pain. So you kind of want to focus on that moment. So mm -hmm. you're in a total escape. And then when you leave from that, that, that moment that you just had in the training or a session or whatever it may be, you kind of like, oh, man, what happened before is not so big because now, you know, I forgot about it. Yeah, maybe still there, but you have a different mind state. So it does release a little bit of stress, does take you away from certain situations. And then again, gives you the tools of life. Um, we might not get a lot of us might not get tools of life until life teaches them for us. You know, if you didn't have a great family or parental structure, you might not get the rules of life until you get out there in life and they got to teach you the hard rules because yeah. life, life's rules is much harder than the rules that sometimes are put upon us in our homes. And again, sometimes we have to escape home to go out to life and then have to face that, that part of it. So again, this is one of those avenues and opportunities where you can take youth and say, here's this tool. Here you go. It's called jujitsu. It's, it's the ultimate, um, uh, I would say, the ultimate tool that you can use to strengthen your mind. Because that's what it's all about, to strengthen your mind, to strengthen your body, and not the other way around. Some of us strengthen our bodies, trying to strengthen our mind. But jiu-jitsu is focusing first thing on first, and that's on your mind. i got to capture your attention. I'm about to reteach you everything you learned in life. Mm -hmm. So again, you're a newborn baby walking, coming into this life, taking these beatings, putting on this belt, looking at yourself in the mirror, asking yourself every day questions like, can I do this? Can I do that? Should I go? gotta go there so and so is here this is gonna hurt that's gonna hurt this is what it's gonna be like but that's life you know i gotta go to work so and so is gonna be there my boss is gonna get on me today i'm running late you know i gotta you know maybe i just gotta tap out maybe i gotta come back you know maybe i gotta rethink you know so all of that learning losing learning not quitting not giving up again over time that makes a better person and so that was the whole idea of what the sport i mean i want to call it a sport but the art was created for his whole idea and mentality when he was developing the art. And that's Grandmaster Elio Gracie who was developing his, his version, his aspect of the art to make it what we kind of see what it is today compared to how he got it when it came from the Japanese. So he took it and put it into his own hands and, and used those aspects and then blossomed those aspects of what it is to individuals. So I think with the youth, you have a wonderful tool. And one thing I do remember when I was coming up that Elio Gracie used to say that he did when he went down his list of old students, when he was going down looking at his old students, when you look at them, they were like diplomats and people of prestige and they had did great things with their life, whether they were still doing jujitsu or not. Mm -hmm. He was trying to turn great people. He was trying to create better people. 
That's what the art was for, to create better people, not, not to win a medal. He did not like that part. He wanted to create better people using the tool to strengthen the mind, to strengthen the body. And then again, if you have to use it to defend yourself, which is sometimes few and none, that you would be, but because you're training like a sharpening knife that I'm never gonna cut with, but it's always ready to cut when I need it. You know, and so that's the idea. So with that, you can take your youth and you can make great things with individuals. So it gives me motivation to see that. And again, I worked in child psychology, so I worked in many aspects and I seen different aspects. And I've seen the aspects of what jiu-jitsu can bring to people. And I see a lot of people within the jiu-jitsu community. Again, you'll see people with trauma, PTSD trauma. Yeah. You'll see individuals with death and family trauma. you see individuals with uh, personal traumas. Uh, they were a victim of something, yeah. you know, whether it be on the woman's side, domestic violence or some sort of violence. You see violence that might have happened in neighborhoods. You know, Brazil's not um, a bad country, but they have situations where violence is much extreme. So jujitsu in, in poor neighborhoods is a great community tool that, that people are using. I've actually been there and done a seminar in some of the, some of the areas that, you know, people even in, the, in that city might not even go to. You know, you can see the levels of poverty that I thought I seen levels of poverty high in America. Right. You know, you go there, you see a level of poverty on the third world side, which makes you kind of be happy of what poverty you experience because mm. that what you experience is not real poverty you know it's it's poverty on our level of poverty within our country but there's poverty out there that, you know you just there's no comparison that's what i believe so again that's that tool to give to the youth and i like that i think that's one of the main focuses that i have because i think even someone said it's easier to change a child than it is to change a grown man so you know hard to change the adult but if you can get them young you give them something that can give them and learn how they can take this and make a stronger mindset. Whatever they'll do, they'll succeed in. It's the jiu-jitsu mentality. So you always hear that jiu-jitsu is life and all these sayings that people use and it kind of fits in to everything. So again, like goes back to what I was saying earlier that martial arts was something that was in the past that came around full circle that kind of fit into this, this, this um, niche that I was doing in my life. So it just kind of fits perfectly, you know, the psychology aspect, the helping people the youth aspect to kind of, you know, because that's what I want to do more. I want to help more people using the mindset of jujitsu. Not actually, because some people can't endure the grind, but using the jujitsu mindset. I think that's one of the things that you can really use and, and utilize in your life is that mindset. So just saying, okay, you know, but I think you have to get on the mat to kind of understand that. Mm -hmm. You have to kind of go through it. You need to get through some belts and work that way and then kind of have a goal with that because everything in life i think is a goal we look for goals we chase after goals and there's nothing wrong with that you know you want to have a goal and set it and knock it down and have the next goal you know again living for something is yeah. what life is about you know then you have no motivation without it and yeah and what is life without motivation right you know you know we always have then you end up with regrets and i don't want to live with regrets yeah no what ifs that's that's dope especially with kids because like you're getting them at like a blank slate yeah yeah and you can and then a lot of times again what i tell people is when i when you come to the gym you're not getting the kids that's on the football field you're not getting those you know some people that know say oh i can use jujitsu to help my son get better at this sport but a lot of the times it's not those kids yeah. you're not going to the sport i'm not going to the field and getting those kids that's coming off the field you know super athletic you have to you creating that you have to take this child that you know might might be have been timid or he might have been aggressive based upon he's the bully so that's a false sense of aggressiveness he's using as a 
a shield to hide who, who he truly might be inside. So you have these situations. So you get a lot of children with different aspects that, you know, I would say, I don't, I would say they're just personality traits that, you know, some parents may want to change, may want them to be a little tougher, may want them a little more coordination, more more discipline, a little bit more respect. So there's nothing wrong with that, you know. So you get a lot of the kids that, you know, have certain issues that parents would like to try to help out, and they've tried different avenues. And sometimes being a parent, your kids don't listen to you, so you have to kind of take them somewhere else and let somebody else talk to them. Yeah. And they may listen to them. Same way with me. I didn't listen to my mother. So my mom had to take me to another person who was a, a mentor for me and guide me to do the right thing because before that, I was out of control. You know? And so that, that aspect comes into it. Sometimes you just need a mentor who really cares about your progress. He doesn't care about nothing in return. A true mentor doesn't care about nothing in return. He doesn't care for the spotlight, doesn't care um, if people give him accolades or awards. He loves them and takes them in, but his whole goal is to make that person better than what they were before. And so that's the true nature of what jiu-jitsu is about and that's what i always try to hope to bring to it and you know if you can use a tournament as a, a goal that you want to because there's a sport side to it there's an avenue now we can make a career out of it that is professional for sport because you know we live in a world and in a country that's based upon professionalism in sports so you know the the, the youth is a great way and jiu-jitsu truly is for the youth it's for the youth it's for the youth to start as young so it can give you good uh good person i would say good benefits in life so you have good principles yeah and then for adults it's a way to change a lot of us that may have been growing up in some sort of uh you know whether it be a slight trauma or we just have some personality traits of our own that we might need to correct out you know you might be lazy you might be out of shape you might be this might be timid yourself might be scared you might be over you know over aggressive you know all things that we can also do because that's what it did for me took a lot of the bad traits that i had may have carried over through my youth and kind of just ironed me out, you know, in the sense it beat it out of me, literally, <laughs> you know. Definitely. There you go. I have to say for myself, definitely, it's, it's helped me so far with anxiety. I feel like I grew up a lot with anxiety, especially in different sports. I played quarterback. I played uh, basketball growing mm -hmm. up. And it's like when people start chirping, it really got to me, you know. Mm -hmm. Like I, I make a bad, I throw an interception, mm -hmm. and I'm just down on myself. Mm -hmm. And actually being in these last two tournaments, my first tournament I lost in like 40 seconds. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me face like myself, you know, make yeah. me look in the mirror, especially yeah. walking in the gym, just yeah. facing different killers every yeah. day. Yeah, you got to face yourself. Who is the hardest? That's the hardest competition yeah. is yourself. Yeah. No one's harder than you on, on yourself than yourself. Mm -hmm. And people think like that, you know, they're hard on you, but nobody's harder on yourself than yourself. And I, and I know that for experience. And that's truly, you know, one of the reasons, again, just made me look at myself, you know, and say, man, you know, just imagine if jujitsu hadn't came into your life, you could still be doing some of the things you were doing. So you look at yourself. You mm -hmm. have to look at yourself. It is the ultimate uh, tool to look back in the mirror and see who you are. And, you know, kind of like have to want to maybe change that. It's hard for people to accept that. Yeah. So jujitsu is about accepting who you are and what you have. And either you try to change it or you find the avenue to change it or you accept what you have and work with that. Right. You know? Absolutely. I, man, I felt that. I felt that for sure. Mm -hmm. So yeah, anxiety, anger. I had anger issues, so yeah. it helped me with those um, anger issues that you know, again, you might hold in and then lash out later. So again, dealing with situations like that, anxiety too, from from failure. Mm -hmm. I think that was the beginning for me as well in jujitsu of just everything. You know, failure. The same thing. People 
saying things and you kind of take it in yeah whether you show emotion with it at that moment but inside it could you know it's later on mm-hmm. is when it hits mm-hmm. yeah for sure especially like whenever i did my first tournament just seeing everybody watching and it's just you out there it's a, it's a scary feeling me too first tournament you know had my mother out there she's like what you doing with this thing i hear you doing <laughs> let me come watch you because you, know, you always do, doing something different you know? <laughs> see the jujitsu thing is you out here doing and i think i you know i lost and it was like oh man i had to crawl off the mat <laughs> but i i never felt better yeah so definitely everybody goes i think everyone goes through the same thing it's like again we all going through something but you know, just like life, we all going through something. You know, jiu-jitsu is that way. Everybody was a white belt. Yeah. Everybody was a white belt. And the best way to do it is just go through the fire. I always say you can't learn how to swim unless you jump in the water. Right. You yeah. know, you can take lessons without jumping in the water, but until you dive off that board or that edge, you're not going to know what the water feels like, you know, so you got to do it. So all our listeners out there, come join jujitsu, man. Change your life for sure. It definitely will change your life. Or, you know, again, if you're looking to be, become better in something else, more efficient in something else as a sport or a art, I would like to say that you can get involved and that may help you in avenues in your life. I see it all the time. You know, even people now are recommending that you do jiu-jitsu before you even get to other sports because it may give you the motivation. It may give you the grit, the, you know, that, that, that toughness that you may need in some other sports for that, to understand failure because jiu-jitsu makes you accept failure first day mm-hmm. you know you can be strong you might have been strong around all your friends mm-hmm. as soon as you walk in the gym boom you're not strong anymore yeah. so that makes you accept your first day yeah. that's how it was first day smack that R- reality like oh you thought you were strong now you ain't strong find out what strong <laughs> is then that makes you look in the mirror right there wow what was that you know then you accept it right there yep this, this little dude just handled me man what, what, what am i doing <laughs> And it makes you, it really makes you think. Actually, when I mm-hmm. first walked in, I think you had me work with, um, I forgot how to say his name. Um, I think his name is Jonathan Gracie. Oh, jo- uh-huh. Jonathan. Jonathan uh-huh. Gracie, yeah. And I was like, oh man, I'm going to get killed. But he, he was actually nice. It was the people that weren't experienced as him that were trying to kill mm-hmm. me. <laughs> it's usually how it is. Yeah. People that are good, they're, 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 they're you know, like silent assassins. They, yeah. They never show it to you unless they need to. Right. You know? They know. Just take it easy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to watch him do what he's doing now, it's just amazing to see, you know, like you see somebody come through your door. Like I said, you just meet somebody, come through your doors. Like, you know, God just puts this person here in your life for a small amount of time. You spend a little time with them and then, you know, they move on to the next level and you see them do something so amazing and do big things. It's not it's, this is gratifying. So I think that's what's gratifying about it, just to see people just, you know, be successful and progress and do what they love and, you know, be successful at it. And their journey is intertwined with yours now. Yeah, and it is. It is. It's like life. You know, you they have those, uh, you know, some of those sayings like, you know, life is a, is a, 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 a drive or a ride in the road. And sometimes you pick up passengers and they ride with you for a little while and then they get off and go their own way. But you keep driving, keep going. But you know, the time you spent together on that road, you know, it's, it's cherishable. So, you know, that's definitely one of the things. Is it becomes a part of your journey. We intertwine. Jiu-Jitsu is such the, the, the great people thing. You know, people interacting with others, different nationalities, races, uh, languages, you know, just finding a common goal and a common cause. And they all coming together with that brotherhood. It's like a, it's a brotherhood, you know. So, you know, we all are trying to beat each other up for betterness of ourselves you know so that's what we're all chasing so you know that's the wonderful thing about it you know absolutely absolutely 
So going so going forward, what is do you have any like future endeavors you're looking forward to? Again, I I, I would like to really become more of the using jujitsu to do motivational things, motivational speaking. Um, so seminars that use jujitsu, but not in the sense of where we're just showing a new move. We're just we're just trying to use that mind state to 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 you know bring people out of whatever it is that they need to get out of to try to make some change. You know, and again, whatever your motivation you need, here's just. Here's a mindset. Jiu-jitsu is life. You know, here's this mindset. And then again, walk into the gym, try it, do it, experience it, whether it's for you or not, and you find that out. But then you can start to take the principles that you learn within the gym and apply them to your life. And I think that's what Mika was doing with his students and he did with me. And it was just saying the same idea, you know, I'm just trying to affect lives and change lives. So hopefully I can just keep changing lives because, you know, I may not be a time where I can change life on the mat physically. But I want to be able to change life on the mat with these these thoughts. And that's what Grandmaster Lil Gracie, his visions were, to use the art to change individuals. And so that's what I hope to do in the future. Maybe, you know, you know, give speeches or do motivational speaking or trying to help individuals that may have had some difficulties in their life. Use a mindset that came through this martial art and go back to that whole sense of what, you know, used to happen a lot of times back in the day where people knew martial arts was that idea. It was the life changer, you know. It was it was it was used a lot, you know. And I think in the early '80s, coming out of the '70s, um, in the early '80s, martial arts was big, mm-hmm. you know. Especially in the inner city, people was thinking that you know you could really do a lot with martial arts. But then that died away because the effectiveness, I think, of karate was just not effective in the situations that you know are really happening out there. But here's something that's really effective physically, but also it does prepare you mentally for that situation that happened god forbid it does but you're preparing yourself and you also just as you go along you just get a lot of benefits through it so i think that's what i'm looking to do in the future of course expand on the next amount of my gym and and try to grow and grow as a team and grow the the team and you know go on to bigger and better things other than just what we involved are on the mat because eventually someone's going to come up out of the gym and they're going to do what I did and become that next person and I'm you know going to have to move on to the next thing like most of us do in this art you know we start doing other things because jiu-jitsu is so endless yeah the limits are endless of what you know you can do with it and so many different avenues you know I can take it and work with these people over here or I could take it over here and do this thing or do this you know there's so many different aspects with it that you can use in a social construct and that's what I like about it it's just awesome tool to use for you know, social modification sometimes, I guess, if you want to use that word. Definitely. Man, You, I think your motivational speaking is definitely your forte for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I would hope to. So, you know, give some of my life's experiences, you know. Uh, you know, some people have rougher lives than others. And, you know, just again, that's what you see a lot of now. We're just trying to find good motivation out here yeah. in, in today's society, you know, that, negativity it seems to just always be broadcast so again you know if you just there's voices amongst the people that can spread some positivity and that's what i think you know i would like to do with it mostly is just spread that love and positivity um and again using that as a way to go because it strengthens your mind and your body so you can do wonderful things with your body with jujitsu you know as far as strength wise and it can make you a, a healthier person because it does it, it will make you a healthier person you have to if you want to train it, that, that's the reality of it. I got to live healthier. So then, boom, I'm right there. That's healthy for the body. I got to train. I got to, you know, work my mind. I got to clear some things out of my mind and start to work on those things and those aspects about my life. 
there's that part right there, you know, and then again, you might start doing things, better situation with your spouse or your, your significant other, with your family, with your children, you know, so much of that is involved, again, because we're always working with people with different social backgrounds, different ethnic backgrounds, so again, you're just intertwining with different people and learning so many different things, and that's what I like to do at the gym, where I love to celebrate the cultures and people's culture and things like that, because that's what jiu-jitsu is about. Absolutely. Especially in in my culture, like the the Islanders, when I talk to a lot of them, they're like, what the hell are you doing with pajamas on and mm-hmm. stuff like that? I'm, like, I'm telling you, there's actually some polys out there that are doing good in jujitsu as well, but it's just not known in our in our culture as much. And I hope one day a lot of people will venture into it for sure. I would have to disagree with that. I think in the Polynesian culture, it's probably a little bit more widespread than it is in the American culture. Oh, in Hawaii, yeah, for sure. Yeah, in, in Hawaii, Guam. Oh, um, yeah, Guam. But it's growing so big because the Polynesian culture is a fighting culture. Yeah. It's a culture, you know, that was, you know, sh- strength and honor through the family and fighting and, and, and you know, all of those things that what jiu-jitsu has in itself, family, honor, fighting in a sense. And that's why I think a lot of times when they come into it, they just fit right in, you know. Yeah. The Polynesians, they fit right in with jiu-jitsu. It just seems to go with the... You know, that's where a lot of times we go to the tournaments, especially in America. You see a lot um, more so than just in America, because when you go, sometimes when we go to the East Coast, it's very like jujitsu. Oh, you doing karate? Oh, you doing karate? Like, no, it's not karate. It's something <laughs> totally different. You know, some people still do that. Midwest is the same thing. You know, the South, still so many places that I haven't even experienced jujitsu or they don't mm-hmm. even have it in town. You know, I may go to a town, look for a gym. They don't even have a jujitsu. They oh, might have like karate or something else. Or, Keto. <laughs> Keto. You know? so, but yeah, you know, it's growing. It's, it's, it's still a very young, a very young art, very young sport, you know, especially on the sports side, very young, still growing, trying to catch a knack, a, 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 I guess, a knack in, in America, mm-hmm. but it's growing. It's the fastest growing sport, you know, fastest growing martial art. We don't still have the level that, say, karate and taekwondo have in America, but eventually I think jujitsu will overtake that and be on every street corner. Because people will see the effectiveness of it, you know. The now, practical. Yeah, the practicalness of it, yep. Even people in the medicine world are sending people to jiu-jitsu. Oh, really? You know, yeah, doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, they're just saying, hey, look, here's jiu-jitsu. Try to send your kid. This might be one of the things that can help them. It's new, you know. In other countries, it's not. It's old. They've been doing it. So, you know, doctors have been involved. They understand the studies. But in America, we're still growing. That's awesome yeah. to see. That's awesome. So mm-hmm. let's get into a couple of our segments we got here. Moving on from jujitsu, mm-hmm. let's start off with the sports news. So in sports news, uh, what do you have any – you college fan? Yeah, college. I like uh, – in football, I'm, I would, I'm a Florida. So Florida, okay. you know, doing okay. Right. Uh, basketball, Kansas, I'm a Jayhawk. Okay. And so those are my college teams I usually follow. Um, then, of course – NBA's the Lakers. Yeah. You know, for that, sure. That's the big big topic right now is the NBA and the Lakers and football too, football. But the Lakers are hot, you know, and LeBron is hot with the Lakers, so I think that's top of the news. Yeah, for sure. I want to actually talk about the Lakers though. What do you what do you think about I know we lost today, but what do you think about our start? All three of us here are Laker fans, so what do you think about our start? I'm excited. Yeah. I think this is uh one of the years that we're going to win it for sure. It's been a long time, so think it's, uh, it's going really good so far hopefully yeah and what what about you do you think uh first of all 
You think we're going to win the championship? Every year I think we're going to win a championship, <laughs> even when we're not. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I think every year we have a, we have a chance. Mm -hmm. um, the reality of it is sometimes we don't, but I think this year if we don't win, then, you know, we just got to go back to the drawing board and come back again. But I expect us to win it. I expect the Lakers, you know, we back in it. Mm -hmm. I, I was excited, you know. The last couple of years were heartbreaking. You know, seeing Kobe go mm -hmm. and then, like, getting LeBron, I was like, wow, that was the biggest, biggest excitement. Yeah. You know, since uh, getting Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, since getting Kobe. Since getting Kobe. Yep. Yeah. That was a long time ago. And, yeah, so I expect us to win it. Team looks good. We, the, you know, best. They got the best start in basketball, best team in basketball. Mm -hmm. uh, number two defense, you know. Man, we just outworking people. I think just today we just was tired. Yeah, I think we're just tired. Yeah, but that's the only thing I'm I'm nervous about. That's it's just the durability. We only get 19 games in. Yeah, you yeah. know, and they playing like we already. I see sometimes you know LeBron run from one end of the court to the other like so fast and mm -hmm. so hard. You know how many minutes can he put up for the whole season? When is he going to take a break? Mm -hmm. You know, so and it feels like Kuzma's getting hurt every other game, man. Yeah, it's just you know. That's the thing that everybody's. That's the, the question everybody says: the durability. Yeah. Can we get to the playoffs with the durability? Will we last? That's what people are doubting us at. You know, there's some doubters out there, some haters amongst the yeah. sports talk. <laughs> yeah. You know, LeBron talk. You know, because he's like topping everything. So mm -hmm. you know, is that he's you know the is he the goat or is it this? So you know, we'll see. I, I expect us to win it. You know, LeBron is like he got to prove the haters wrong. Mm -hmm. you know? He's saying they saying he's not the king of LA. He got a show. Yeah. Got the team, you know. Yeah. I don't really see any other team doing better. I mean, I think the Clippers just beat us just be, you know for whatever reason. It was the first game of the season. Yeah, you know. So I think for whatever reason that game just the opening game. But mm -hmm. we'll see on Christmas. Yep, we'll see for on sure. Christmas. It's, it's a revenge season for LeBron. So yeah, yeah. This is actually a question for both of you. Do you think Anthony Davis is a rental for the year? As a, as a what? Is a rental. You think he's going to leave after free agency? I don't think so. No? No, I think, no, nah, he's in the right. I mean, how could you leave L.A.? Yeah. How could you? Like, that's everybody's dream is to either get to the, the Lakers or the Knicks. Mm -hmm. The Knicks ain't who, you know, I don't know. Some people <laughs> want to go to teams. Maybe they think that they can go to the team and take the team from the bottom and make, win a championship in one year. But you need a team. Mm -hmm. Every team that had a team had a team. They yeah. had star players around them or role players that were good. You know, even with Mike, you know, Mike had to have some good role players. Yeah. You know, that, his role players were some of the best players, that, man, role players ever. Ever. You know, yeah. I don't think you could you could put better role players around anybody. If you were to put them around Kobe, I think you Kobe would have won six championships. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. you know, AD or just, and other people who want to kind of jump on that, you know, I guess today with the, the basketball today, you know, sometimes people want to just score and win and I don't know but you know the old days of the teams it's not like it used to be no no the dynasties of the Pistons the Bulls the mm -hmm. Lakers the Celtics mm -hmm. you know they had good three four players on the starter then you had a great bench I don't know great so, coach great coaches you yeah. know so you know basketball in the NBA looks like college to me it's like yeah up and yeah. down really fast yeah. one shot quick shots you know so we'll see it's, you know but to answer your question, no, I don't see LeBron. I don't see uh, AD leaving. I don't think. I don't see. I don't see him leaving LeBron. LeBron's Why a winner. LeBron's in championship. Why so would you? if AD really want to be a champion, he'll stick with LeBron to the rest of his career. With the Doms, LeBron is dropping yeah. right now. He's a, he leads the league in assists. Yeah, man, come on. He's, 
And I think he's first at MVP behind Giannis, right? Yeah. Head of Giannis. Can't yeah. leave that. How would you want to leave? That's true. That's true. Leave LA? I hope not. Fingers crossed. I even hope Dwight not. Dwight Howard made it back. Yeah, even <laughs> Dwight Howard made it back. And he's doing good. Yeah, yeah he's beasting back. Best since, you know, since his days in Orlando. Yep. He should, he's uh, field goal over 50% every game. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty good. He Up has good energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't, I have never seen him so involved with the crowd either. For real. They say he's one of the best people on the bench hyping up the team. Yep. He, motivation wise, he's one of the best for motivation. Mm-hmm. Because think about it, after he left LA, he went to Houston for a little bit. He did a stint there. But after Houston, like, he kind of went on a bad road as yeah. well. Like, he got criticized a lot. Yeah. So I feel like this time when he came back around, it's like he just, just grateful to be winning on a winning team and just mm-hmm. being good around people and just going out and doing his thing. So I think he's just very grateful and just very happy. Yeah. yeah we that took a chance on him. We took a chance on him because I thought he was going to be like Carmelo where they were going to just shut him out the league. Yeah. We took a chance on him. Mm-hmm. That's a good chance. I wanted him. Yeah. I wanted him to come back. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, he deserves a second chance because I know he still has something in him yeah. to yeah. do. And with LeBron, LeBron can bring it out of you. Yep. And, you and know? what he says, you know, everybody deserves a second chance in life, you know? Mm-hmm. LeBron, yeah. LeBron is that player that he's my, he's like the player that I envisioned Magic Johnson to be. So he's like my new Magic Johnson with Michael Jordan abilities. <laughs> right. Yep, exactly. That, that's, that's what, you know, to me, Magic Johnson was my favorite player. To me, he's the best player of all time. Just, just personally. Um, some may say, you know, of course, others. But I'm going to go with Magic just because Magic was the man yeah. to make everybody around him better on and off the court. Mm-hmm. Like, I met Magic Johnson as a kid. He can make you feel as like, you know, and I met Michael Jordan as a kid. Dang. So I got to meet both of them. In two totally different worlds. Magic made you feel like you knew him. Mike didn't want you to know him. Oh. You know, so it's like, that's where I believe that LeBron is like. He brings, he makes people feel good. Like, you know, I, the player around me feels good. You know, like being my teammate feels good. Mm-hmm. We all playing together, you know, compared to like with Kobe. I love Kobe too, but I think with Kobe sometimes, Kobe had the Mike mentality. Yeah. You know, he punched in the nose if he was mad at you, like Mike, be yeah. mad at you because, you know, he'd take it personal. He'd yeah. see you on the pa- practice, you know, and take it, take it out on you in practice. Mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes that rubs people the wrong way. You know, with, you know, with LeBron, I think he's that. He's that a, he's that new age Magic Johnson. You yeah. see his numbers reverse, right? Twenty three, yeah. Right. Yeah, Thirty two spent around. Yeah. yeah. Except Magic, I I hate to shit on Magic, but he had that broke shot. Yeah. <laughs> but Magic, but man, he, he can make it work. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He can make it work. That's true. But then again, yeah. everybody in the early eighties, nineties had a broke shot. You know, it's except just Larry Bird. But except Magic Larry played Bird. five positions. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he you did. know. Yeah. So that's why I say things like he's the greatest. In my opinion, he played five positions. He played center at times. Mm-hmm. He played p- power, small, three, the Shooter, two, and point guard. Yeah. You know, LeBron, same thing. LeBron yeah. can play center. LeBron can play power. He can play That's three. True. He can play the two. He playing point guard right now. That's true. And leading you know, the new and Showtime. Assist. Man, we running fast breaks like Showtime. Yeah, it's, it's the old Lakers again. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you know you haven't seen this in a long time. Way more excited than the Kobe days. I'm not even gonna lie. And I love Kobe. <laughs> I love Kobe. Yeah. Yeah, Kobe. You just you knew he was gonna be at the high post and just try to run that triangle. Yeah. yeah. It was it was like Mike in L.A. Mm-hmm. But now it's like. Magic back in LA. Yeah, yeah. It's know? fun to watch too. It is. Real I fun love watching watch. the Lakers right now. Yeah. It's like seeing the old Lakers. Really, mm-hmm. literally. It's like we're we're really not missing anybody else other than Demarcus Cousins being hurt. Other than that, we I think we have mm-hmm. the perfect team to mm-hmm. actually win a championship. Yeah, we for got sure. the team. 
I mean, it's that, that same gritty Laker team. Mm-hmm. Remember the old Lakers? You know, you had three great players. You had James Worthy. James Worthy. You had Magic Johnson. You had Kareem at the time. And then when Kareem came out, you had a few people come in this place. Mm-hmm. But pretty much that was it. You had Byron Scott. Byron. You had a lot of good people. You had Michael Thompson. You had so many other people that were just on the team that were role players that was perfect for the, for the Lakers. And I think that's where it's right back at. You know, we got a good, good point guards, the follow-up, LeBron. Good shooting guards, yeah. you know, got good some good defense out there. Mm-hmm. Even though you know we have spurts of defense, but yeah, got you know. pretty good, decent big man, Kyle Kuzma. Really good people for hopefully we, we got some, Kuzma for a long some time. Some of the tallest people in the NBA. Mm-hmm. We lead the NBA in dunks. All three lead the league in dunks. Damn, you know, lobs all day. Yeah, you know, tops most some of them are tops and rebounds. Yeah. Yeah, you got man, you got some towers down there. Yeah, it reminds mm-hmm. me of when Kobe was with um, Bynum and Gasol. Mm-hmm. It was hard to stop those twin yeah. towers, and now a lot of teams is having problems with that with us. Yeah, we got three big men in the league that ain't really big anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and AD can assist just like Powers. Mm-hmm. Man, he can shoot the three. Yeah, he can shoot the jumper. He can dribble. Hook shot, post moves, post moves, dunk alleys, defense, yeah. defense, blocks, blocks. Yep. You can do it all. Dribble. And he was number three all defense for the past, I don't know, five years. Yeah, at least. Yeah. He's leading the league in defense right now. In blocks, yeah. In mm-hmm. blocks, yeah. See? So yeah. we're excited for the Lakers for sure. For sure. Uh, what do you guys think about Lamar Jackson? Think he's the MVP? For sure, man. You think so? After what he did to you guys, bro. Oh, don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Because you guys were like the best defensive team so if he did it to you guys he can do it literally do it to any 30 teams yeah, out yeah. there that's true you know see. that's true he put up 100 rushing yards and 100 passing yards yeah. <sighs> against you guys bro dang he's yeah, for really, sure he's man. for sure my mvp if you ask me you have an mvp this year or it's lamar well yeah i would have to say lamar if you yeah. go there uh there's a couple you know yeah, yeah. Garoppolo, how you say his name? Yeah, Garoppolo. Then you know he's out there. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, you know, is yeah. in the talk. Yeah, so we'll see. Russell Wilson. Russell yeah, Wilson. yeah, Russell Wilson. He's yeah. always up there. Mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey's having a really good year too for the yeah, Panthers. And, be- we'll and believe it or not, so is uh, Devlin Cook. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So uh, back when AP Adrian Peterson had those big numbers, Dalvin Cook is getting bigger numbers the year that AP won MVP. Really? Yeah, Dalvin Cook is is. Better than he's putting bigger numbers than AP did whenever he won MVP that year. Wow. Yeah, and I almost talked that. about that. Wow. Dang. So yeah, that, we'll see. We'll probably, it's probably going to be Lamar, but yeah, we'll see. We have if, to get to the playoffs and, the, and yeah. get down to, you know, Super Bowl to find that out. Yeah, for sure. All the right. Ravens are always tough. Yeah, the Ravens are always tough. But uh, let's leave sports news. Let's go a little bit into Open Mat. One of the our open match segment, one of the biggest headlines right now is McGregor versus Cerrone coming mm-hmm. up in January. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that? I'm just excited to see uh, Connor back, you know? Yeah. yeah, I just want to see if fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I don't know. He's been off a little while, so yeah. he's always fighting. But we'll see. We'll see what, what he has to put back out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Got to prove some things, I guess, since his last loss to Khabib. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Khabib, Khabib yeah. what do we think about Khabib and Tony? gonna be a big one another one more fireworks but i got khabib you I got khabib? khabib and i just uh, i don't know man you got to hit really hard i think to hit through him that's yeah. true because you can't beat him on the ground that's yeah. true unless you're like a jujitsu wizard but tony's really good on his back he is we'll see if he'll go there yeah that's true you know, do you want to go to your back with khabib on top of you yeah that's true i think people just like you you 
I don't know your mind frame. How do you get your mind state ready for that? Like, you know, I, a lot of guys look like that's what they try to do. They try to just stay off their back, not fight him from the back. And then he gets you there. And then he's like, you tried to fight not to go there, but you went there and then he beat you up there. And he's talking and, while um, he's beating you up. And he's beat up some tough guys. Yeah, he really has. So beat up some tough guys. If he beats Tony, man, he's for sure has to be like all time great. One of the all time greats. Still undefeated. Yeah, Still undefeated. You think he goes over GSP? Probably. He can, yeah, yeah, he Just can. This game bro. is stifling. Yeah. yeah, you know, he he'll he'll fight through your your, your fighting and take you down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just that ground and pound. I think which is the the most dominant way to win a UFC fight. I just believe it's, it's the most safest. You know, maybe boring to some, but it's the safest. It's the smartest. And he can just grind you out, and you can't get up. Mm-hmm. If you do, he just take you back down. Again. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I will see. You know, we'll see. All of this is just really surviving. Yeah. To win, but what do you think? I think I'm. I'm I love Tony, so I'm gonna go for Tony. But I think Khabib uh, is is tough, especially it's so disrespectful when he just talks crap the whole time or tells Dana, "Look at your chicken," while he's beating him up. Damn. What do you think? I'm gonna go for Tony Ferguson. Tony yeah, I, I, Khabib is a, he's a great. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but I don't know. I feel like Tony Ferguson can be the only guy that can actually beat Khabib. El Kukui fool. Yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. We'll gonna, see. Man, they're gonna bang. What do you think about uh, the the special matchup between Gordon Ryan and Bo Nicol? With because he's an MMA fighter, so they have to do oh wrestler wrestler. Call, yeah, he's a, what D one wrestler. Yep. Penn so State, I, I think. So I guess he doesn't know all the rules yet. He doesn't. He hasn't trained a lot of jujitsu. So basically, it's just going to be a, a, a super wrestling match. Yep. With some submissions. With some submissions. But he has how much jujitsu experience does he have? Because I don't even really know much about him. I don't think he has any. It's going to be hard. You know? Yeah. To find Gordon Ryan. Yeah. So what are they going to do? Fight just wrestling. I, I and wrestling, you know. Yeah, I can't see. Can't pull guard, but yeah. maybe you let him take you down so you can submit him off the back. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. That'll be a tough one. That'll be a tough one. Supposedly, if Gordon wins, Gordon said he wants to do another match, which favors more of the wrestling style. Yeah, I think that would probably be better off Gordon just saying, I'm fight wrestling. Yeah. Just fight with the wrestling rules. Kind of like when they did that, uh, uh, was it John, what was his name? Burroughs against... Uh, oh, yeah, against uh, Askren. Yeah, against Askren and the wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, something like that. That'd probably be better because I just see Gordon Ryan favored to win that. Yeah. Man. He doesn't even need leg locks. They took it out, but he doesn't need them. He doesn't. And if you watch a lot of times, besides, I think they took out the two things that he does do well, which is play guard Mm -hmm. and submit from the legs. Mm -hmm. But he's a he's a great passer. Yeah. So I think that's maybe what we're gonna have to see. Maybe they're gonna fight each other to get takedowns. Mm -hmm. But if he gets taken down and he's on his back, and then he can do other submissions, which I'm pretty sure he's pretty good at. Yeah. We'll see. Are Are you guys gonna watch that match? I wanted to try to, but flow grappling is just so expensive. <laughs> I, no, I had to get flow grappling. I can't miss that. I watch all the fights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So many of them out there now. Before, it didn't used to be any. Just think about it. You know, then flow grappling came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, the scene just exploded. Now it's like fights all the time. Every Before, weekend. It, yeah, you didn't have. Mm. You beat, everybody would say, oh, I'm going to MMA. Just mm-hmm. going to leave jiu-jitsu and go to MMA. So you wouldn't even have any fights. Now yeah. you got fights all the time. Different. Types of arenas, guys winning hundred thousand dollars for jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things things are moving up. Even fight to wins on there. You you yeah. actually fought a fight to yeah, win. Yeah, for the fight. Uh, it was a different. It was called submission hunter. Oh, submission hunter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fight to win did have me on there, but I got injured, so oh. I didn't do the fight to win they had here. But yeah, I was on that to fight it. Ended up not. But yeah, I had a uh, one uh, 
that sense uh one match where you get to the arena and kind of fight almost with uh it's almost like a mma in a sense mm -hmm. kind of put on that event so i thought one event like that that was dope mm -hmm. that was dope and it was awesome yeah for sure especially the money they're giving to these yeah. athletes they deserve it that's the, for jujitsu i think so mm -hmm. guys have been fighting for so many years trying to make some money mm -hmm. and leaving the sport because of it you know it's like ah, there's no money in it i'm just gonna go to mma fight you know a lot of guys have still are still doing it mm -hmm. you know you got um Rodolfo Vieira, you yeah. got uh, Lovato, you got a lot of guys, you know, Gary Tonin, Gary Tonin you know, yeah. Ryan Hall, all the guys that were really good at jiu-jitsu, mm -hmm. but they're like, ah, you know, it's not really much going on here. Let me go over to the MMA. Mm -hmm. You know, Kron is in the UFC. Kron. So again, a lot of big jiu-jitsu guys moving on to that, still moving on to the MMA scene. Yeah. But you don't have to nowadays. You can stay just in jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. You know, because when I got into it, I thought I was going to fight MMA. Oh, really? Yeah, I wanted to fight MMA, but then I decided, man, jiu-jitsu is so smooth and so fun. Why even go into that world? Yeah. I you know? guess mm -hmm. you want to go just to kind of see if your jiu-jitsu is effective, and that's fun. But I thought, you know, fighting jiu-jitsu was so fun. And a lot of times after the guys fight MMA, they don't come back to jiu-jitsu anymore. Yeah. They don't fight jiu-jitsu anymore. They may just do MMA still as a career, teaching it, or working in uh, MMA gyms, or opening their own facilities. But, you know. Not a lot of guys go back to the jiu-jitsu world they once were in when they go over to the MMA when they cross over. For sure. For sure. Speaking of jiu-jitsu, what do you think about IBJJF Nogi Worlds? Are you going to gonna go out there for that? Uh, probably not because my son is going to be born right. around that, on that week. So right. usually I would be there competing myself. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I know a couple of people are not going to be in it. I think there's some people that are not in it. It's not fighting in it. It's some big then, names. Uh, yeah, big names. And then... Um, I don't know if Gordon Ryan's going to be in because if he is, if he's going to fight it again, he's going to win it again, of course. Yeah. Double gold. <laughs> yeah. Like last year. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know if he, you know, we'll see if anybody comes with something different for him, but he's the favorite to win. He he really, is that the biggest uh, jiu-jitsu tournament out right now? Or for no? no gi. For Without no the gi. uniform. Okay. Yeah. The Worlds is always the biggest one. The World Championships is what they're called. But yeah. So uh, we'll see. It's always great to see. Mm -hmm. I love all the big tournaments. Like seeing up and coming jujitsu, so it changes so fast every five to ten years. That's like five now. Like next five years, somebody new's coming in. All the other guys there, they're gone. Now it's just new guys coming in. So then see those next five years who's coming up. That's you know? crazy. That's great. Mm -hmm. I've barely been um, been able to experience what's happening right now. So that's what I mean. You you'll be here. Then in five years, it'll be a whole nother group. It's like five years ago was this group. Same thing when I started five or ten years ago. It was, 13 years, it was this group, and those guys have moved up and doing something else, and now these guys are in. Some still around, still winning, mm -hmm. but the majority, yeah, it's, it's new guys, and it comes up all the time, you know. It's just amazing and great to see new talent, and jiu-jitsu is just growing so fast and, and moving so fast and becoming so more complex, and mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's cool to see, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it definitely is. And the last thing we have on Open Mat is – UFC 245, which is next weekend, I believe, right? So that card, the main three is going to be Usman versus Covington, Holloway versus Volkanovski, and Nunez versus Durandamy, too. What are your thoughts on those? Unless something amazing happens, I figure that Usman, Holloway, and Nunez win. Yeah. You know, yeah. again. Man, you know, he beat Tyrone Woodley. Usman beat Tyrone Woodley. That was, that's a, that was a big feat to overcome. Mm-hmm. 
you know, Max Holloway. I don't know, you know, what, what you got to say about him. He had, a, you know, a couple of losses, but I think he's going to come back looking for some revenge. Mm-hmm. For sure. And then Nunes, I don't know if anybody got the guts, you know. No. Just tough enough to be her. Yeah. Girl. She's tough. Even though Durandamay's... Yeah, she's like a truck. Yeah. Even though Durandamay's big, I don't think she can handle Nunes. Mm-mm. Yeah, we'll see. What about next you, weekend? Um, Or next weekend? Um, next weekend. I think Usman is going to win, um, as James was saying. After he beat uh, Teron Willie, I was like, dang, he's actually like that dude now. And I hate Covington. Yeah. Even though that's an act. Everybody knows that's an act he's putting on. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. I heard he's a really nice guy in real life. Really? Yeah. Oh. And um, I think, uh, what's the second fight? Uh, Yeah, I think uh, Max Holloway is going to win. Volkanovski is good, though. Yeah. Yeah. He's really nice. But I don't know. Max got the, you know, he got the fire in his eye. He lost a couple, you know, a couple of fights. Mm -hmm. So he needs to win this one. And of course, Amanda Nunes, nobody's beating her, man. She's really like great all time. She's a good puncher. Yeah. Yeah. She can beat you from the floor, top. It don't matter. She, you know, she's just going to have to get her run and somebody's going to have to come up amongst the ranks and see what happens. Mm -hmm. I think that's just what she's going to get knocked out at. It's going to be, she's going to be there for a while. Yeah. You know. Cyborg left, went to what, Bellator. So. Yeah. I think she's arguably the GOAT, in, for women's at least. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah, she's tough. Yeah. So that concludes our open match segment here. That We talked a lot about martial arts. I'm going to get into our next segment, which is our listener's favorite, is not-so-rapid, rapid-fire questions. So this is going to be for you, James. Shoot. The very first question, let me get it get the list up here very first question is what was your first job my first job yeah uh taco bell taco bell uh-huh. okay how old were you then when you worked at taco like bell? a real job where i got a paycheck or like my first job i guess the paycheck yeah it was taco bell okay yeah, yeah. i worked at taco bell i don't know it wasn't long it was probably maybe a couple of months <laughs> yeah and when i realized the the Taco meat and all that stuff. I was out. <laughs> and I ate a Taco Bell ever since. But I was like, that was like 16, oh, 15, man. 16, yeah, 16, yeah. That's uh, my first job. Where I got a paycheck. I hate to say it, but after after training, I usually go roll right over to Taco Bell. <laughs> all right. Um, next question is, what is, what was your dream job coming up? Dream job coming up. Hmm, that's hard. I. What I thought I wanted to be at first was I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to, I drew, I used to draw a lot, so I thought I was going to do that. Oh, man. Then uh, going into college, I thought I was going to be a doctor. Don't ask me why. <laughs> I, just like being in, in the medical field or whatever. So I thought that was going to happen. But then I realized that wasn't going to happen in college. Then after that, my dream job was to be a producer in, in uh, music. And then that's what I thought... For sure, I was going because I was always into music. I was always into art, so you know, drawing, music, painting, anything with art. I was just really big into it. So I thought I was going to end up doing something with art. Um, then I kind of figured, as a reality, I'll probably end up working with kids because just everybody in my family—mother, grandmother, great grandmother, aunts—they was always just teachers or working with kids. Mm. And um, yeah, so it was either that or just working some regular job, you know. Maybe working a city job or something like that. <laughs> a lot of my family worked in like city jobs and government jobs and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was either that or, you know, when I was coming up, I thought I was either that or end up in, in a bad place I didn't want to be. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so that's a, those were good avenues to get yeah, to yeah. think about. Yeah, two worlds I lived in. I lived in, the, uh, you know, my mother's side and then my father's side. So the worlds were like two different sides of, of uh, turmoil. So, you know, you had the, my mother's the, the teaching side and then you had the streets. So it was like living in two worlds, <laughs> being educated at, in the education side and then being educated on the street side. So I had the best of both worlds. Yeah, that's so, a good mix. Yeah, yeah. That's a great mix. Because one mm-hmm. or the other, too much of one or the other yeah. will hurt you. Yeah, yeah. That's true. For sure. Yeah. So I didn't know you drew. You were, you're an artist, but do you have any hidden talents? Uh, pretty much that's my hidden talent was uh, drawing. Um, I, used to do a lot, I used to do a lot of drawing. I haven't done it lately, uh, but I always still have a knack to want to draw once in a while, you know, just to do something or anything with art. I still like to do that. So it's probably like, you know, playing musical instruments and stuff like that. I always still want to maybe master a musical instrument, you know? So I still like that aspect. I think martial arts and art still go hand in hand. Yeah. You know, I think the samurai practice art. So that's like always one of those things. The samurai used to do a lot of art and calligraphy and drawing. It's like a way to keep your mind calm and peaceful at the same time you're in war. So I think that has a lot to do with that idea of art and martial arts. So I would say that's my hidden talents. That's dope. Art. That's dope. So me and my brother, are big superhero fans so who did you have a favorite superhero coming up oh yeah i was heavy into all of those things um, oh, really? because I, yeah, because um art was like one of the big things of my life mm-hmm. um i was heavy into comics and cartoon characters um drawing cartoon characters i was that guy i was the, the kid in your neighborhood that you used to get to draw on your clothes so i was the guy doing the bart simpsons on t-shirts oh, and, uh, stonewash what? jeans Dang. painting the you know i used to do the I used to paint the sneakers, the Air Force Ones. I used oh, to do yeah. that. So I used to do a lot of uh, custom Air Force Ones and stuff like that. So I used to do all of those type of things. I, so, I, you know, I kind of got myself involved a lot in that. So, yeah, I think that's what I thought I was going to be actually doing. But, yeah. You have a favorite superhero? Though? My favorite superhero? Hmm. I, I never really have favorite. I like so many. Right. I like everybody. Everybody. <laughs> it's always like everybody. Yeah, I think that was my thing. I like every Transformer. I like every G.I. Joe. I like every DC comic hero. Mm-hmm. So I never uh, identify with one. So That's I, good. I never, I never had a favorite of anything. That's good. I like everything. Like them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like every. I like everybody for what they were. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. So when when a, the best thing for me when a comic book would be have everybody in it. So uh. like when I see the the movies now, I want to see everybody in it. Yeah. That's how I look at it. Like yeah. they're even. It's, I hate that they're building up to it, because if you see the DC side, you know Superman, they got you know Black Manta, they got the whole thing. They building up to this, you know the what was it that they had as a kid when they were all together? The Justice League. The Justice League. Yeah. But then they had it where it was where, where what was the bad side of the Justice League when um, they had all the bad guys? Uh, they were all behind Lex Luger. It was yeah, Lex, yeah. you know Lex Luthor. It was like you know that's how I like to see it. You know, when the X-Men, I like to see X-Men against yeah. everybody else. Yeah. It was always like that. So I never really had a favorite. Um, the one I think I always liked the most was probably Wolverine. Ah. Uh, I did a lot. I loved Wolverine as a lot as a kid. So I think he was my, like, best, I say, superhero. He's a, he's a dope superhero. Yeah. yeah. Great powers and a good story. Mm-hmm. So speaking of superheroes, if you had a, if you had the choice of your own superpower, what would that be? Hmm. Choice of my own superpower. Read Minds. Oh. I think I would like to be like a, a you know, like X Men, you know, Pro- Professor yeah. X. Yeah, Professor X. Okay, read minds. That's a good yeah. one. I try to read minds. <laughs> 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 uh, 
All right. <laughs> this one is kind of tough. Uh, do you have any a quick embarrassing story? Quick embarrassing story? Hmm. I'll, yeah, I'll t- I always have this embarrassing story I like to bring up. Because I used to do a lot of art. I had to accept awards a lot. And I used to, like, I tell you, my mother used to dress me a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it was eighth grade. My eighth grade back home, we had, because the junior high, I guess, whatever, was going through some situations, they had put eighth grade in the high school. Dang. So my eighth grade was at the high school. Dang. So And we had a floor on the bottom of the high school that was just for the eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And I think I got an art award one time, and uh, my mother made, made me wear this little, small, ugly sweater that I knew that I didn't want to wear when she put it out, because she would lay, this was, uh, I was 13, so mind you, she's still dressing me up till 13, <laughs> putting my clothes out on the bed, saying, this is what you got to wear to school, and me just putting it on and going to school, and that day, you know, because we were on our floor, so mm-hmm. nobody really saw me, but the people that saw me <laughs> at, at the bottom of the class, of the school, because our eighth grade was on one level. Mm-hmm. But they had the whole school in the auditorium that day. So the whole school came to the auditorium, and I had to get an award for art. So I go out and accept my award in front of the school, and they make me stand in front. And somebody from the crowd says, man, look at that little sweater he got on. That's his little brother's sweater. And then the whole school was just laughing, and I just walked with my head down with my little award and walked back, went home, was like... You ain't dressing me no more. <laughs> and I made sure I went and got all the flyest clothes I could get after that. <laughs> I think yeah, that was it. I, I went from her dressing me to me dressing myself. Dang. 13. That's a stinger. In front of the whole high school. In front of my, yeah. So it was just, everybody was laughing. You know, it was like, and, you know, you got that girl that you like too, and everybody's in the whole school, and they're just like, and after that, everybody was just killing me on my little young sweater. <laughs> Yeah, that's that probably one of the most embarrassing story. I will never forget that one. <laughs> <laughs> Those ones stick with you. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, do you have a favorite food? Like I said, I'm not a favorite person. Mm-hmm. I just like a lot of things, so I try a lot of different foods. I don't have something I go to as a favorite. Um, yeah, no. Okay. I like different types of things depending on what the taste is. That's fair to say. There's a lot of good stuff out mm-hmm. there, so it's tough. I like to try different foods. You know, see what you know. I, I always think I could be on one of those TV, those TV shows with cooking, the cooking channels, the food channels, where you can just try different things. Yeah. Yeah, I always look at that. Yeah. Those shows get me so hungry, too. Mm-hmm. All right, so we kind of got a little bit about your sports teams, but you want to give us your favorite sports teams across the, across the board? Across the board, Lakers, Green Bay Packers, New York Yankees. Uh, hockey, I got to always stick with my New Jersey Devils. Okay. It's the only thing we got in Jersey. We oh. had a basketball team that took that away. From oh, us. yeah, we did. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, uh, that's, that's all across the board for me. Okay. Soccer is a Flamengo, which is a Brazilian soccer team. So, mm. yeah, okay. that's pretty much across the board. I have to ask real quick uh, before we move on. Mm-hmm. How did the Green Bay Packers happen? How? Um, well, I grew up in the, most of the people in my area were either Philadelphia Eagles fans mm-hmm. or New York Giants fans. My father was a diehard New York team fan. Oh, really? And he loved every New York team. And if you weren't a New York team fan, it was problems at home. Uh, he was a Giants, but I never liked the Giants. I always liked either, like, my teams coming up when I was a kid was either the Bears. So it was like the Midwest teams, the Bears. Um, I liked the Raiders. So okay. I liked the Bears, the Raiders, and the Eagles. Um, and then uh, Randall Cunningham, well, Reggie White, actually Reggie White and Keith Bynum mm-hmm. went to the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. And then once Reggie White went there with the Green Bay Packers, I was just riding with the Green Bay Packers and Reggie White. And then we just start coming up. Then we start winning championships. Mm-hmm. 
and I've just been with them since. Okay. You know, so, you know, that was like my, my team. I had like coming up, I like more players. I think back then it was all about the players. Mm-hmm. So I liked the Bears because of Walter Payton and, and oh, know, yeah. Reggie Perry, Fridge, and all of those guys, Richard mm-hmm. Dent. I liked the, the Raiders because of Bo Jackson. You had Howie Long. You had yeah. so many different people. I remember liking the Raiders when they had Jim Plunkett. Oh yeah, Jim yeah, Plunkett. You know, so, so those were the those are the teams that I liked. And then um, the Eagles in my area was like the Eagles or the Giants. And my okay. brother was a Giants fan. So anytime he had a team, we, he was a Giants and the Mets fans. So I was the Eagles and Yankees fan. Okay. You know, so we were like that. We we were, we were always opposite. Yeah. You know? Rivalry. Yeah. My dad was a Knicks fan. I was a Laker fan. You know. So yeah. He didn't like that too much, huh? Nah, he didn't really, yeah, but, you know, he wasn't really paying attention. But anything against the Yankees, no, nah, you could never go against the Yankees. Anybody else, he didn't care. But Yankees, no, nah, you can't go against the Yankees. Yankees and Mets, he was a, like a New York fan. Dang. So he liked both the Yankees and Mets, but he was a diehard Yankee fan. You don't find too many people that like both, too. Yeah, yeah no, true. Yeah, no. But he was one of those people, like, you know, a diehard New Yorker. So everything, Homer. yeah, just everything from out of the city was just what he liked. That's respectable. Mm-hmm. All right, so you, do you have a favorite quote you live by? Mm, favorite quote? Mm, not off the top of my head, I would say. There's probably a bunch of them that I live by, but I couldn't think one off the top of the head. I would have to, I would have to come prepare for that one. Yeah, that one's tough. Yeah, yeah. That one's tough. I know you're not really big on favorites, but do you have like a favorite movie? Favorite movie? Star Wars. Star Wars? Yeah, Star wow. Wars favorite movie. Okay. Any particular one or just the trilogy? I just like... Uh, I mean the whole I like series. The, I like the trilogy except for those ones they made in the middle. Oh, okay. The, the 2000s? is the ones. Yeah. Those ones I wasn't too... I like the remake, like the how they came back mm-hmm. and made these. But yeah, Star Wars is always going to be my favorite. I know yeah. your son's coming soon, but are you doing anything big for the new one coming out? Uh, the new Star Wars? Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to see that. Oh, yeah. yeah I, Star Wars, yeah. Since I was a kid, I saw Star Wars. First Star Wars, I saw on a reel-to-reel. Oh, really? In my grandmother's basement. Yeah, my uncle brought it out on a reel-to-reel. Because we were like, we were, um, my uncle was into, he's, he's a, he was an artist, and he, he draws for a living. So he was really into, like, uh, science fiction. So he just kind of, everything he did kind of put on me, like, art. He drew, so we were always... I was always looking up to him and art and the movies, and he was so into science fiction. Like, he used to collect things back in the day. Star Wars action figures and mm. things like that. He even has one of those Stormtrooper helmets that from way back in the movies. Yeah, that he just kept. So, I like, collector's items. So, I've always been into Star Wars. So, I would say, yeah, that's probably my favorite movie. Okay. Have you overall? Have you got to check out the Mandalorian yet? I haven't. No, it's I good. gotta get that Disney thing it's just to good. see it. Yeah, I've been thinking just to get the Disney uh, cable channel yeah. just to see that. Yeah, for nothing else. But they got other stuff on there. But I, I just want to see that. It's really good. Yeah, I heard. All right, it, all right. Here's a good one. Um, if you could reboot any role that you think you could play better, what role would that be? Reboot any role that I could play better. Um, always wanted to. I guess reboot Carlito's way. Oh, okay. I think Carlito, I hated the way Carlito's way ended. <laughs> I felt like he should have saw that coming in the movie and been ready for that. I was, yeah, I think I would have had to do that one better. That's a good Carlito's one. Carlito's way. I, I, that movie always stuck with me as a movie with the worst ending. With the I, worst I hated that he was on the train and got killed at the end. Isn't that the way it goes? <laughs> All right. Um, this one's tough. You don't have to answer this one if you don't, if you can't, but do you have any impressions? Impressions? Nah. I wish I could do impressions. I think people that can do impressions are impressive. Yeah. 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 I love them. Nah, I wish I could. 
All right. And the last one to close out, not so rapid, rapid fire questions mm-hmm. is what is your favorite submission? Favorite submission? Back choke. Okay. Mm-hmm. Any kind of back choke? Any kind of back choke. Yep. Okay. Real naked, whatever you can do, just get behind the back and choke. I think that's like the, the, one of the most dominant. I like that the most. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That was a good round. That's that's going to conclude our not-so-rapid-rapid-fire questions with James Nival. All right, real quick, we're going to do the drop top before we get out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, drop top this week we're going to do is our top five uh, favorite NBA players. So we're going to go around five, five, four, four, three, three, and then so forth. So for number five, I'll start it off. Uh, number five for me. Oh, man, I know I should have thought about this earlier. Um, Mm -hmm. Dang it. Number five. I'd probably have to say white chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. He's just too smooth with it. That elbow pass. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's too cold. You want to go with your number five? My top five. Most of them are going to be Lakers. (laughs) Mine. (laughs) I'll probably have to put top five, Will Chamberlain. Oh, yeah. The man. Yeah. Who's your number five? Um, my top five, I'll probably say Kareem. Kareem? Yeah. That's a good one. Skyhook? Mm. I think he's my number four. He's my number four. Yeah, for sure. Number. So who's your number four? Is that we just answered ours? <laughs> All right, my number four, uh, I, I, I would have to say Shaq. Shaq? Okay. Shaq. Shaquille. Uh, number three for me would probably have to be LeBron. Who's your number three, James? Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna have to put LeBron at number three. Yeah, yeah. Again, my my top five is all Lakers. Yeah, <laughs> just the, the all time Lakers squad. Yeah, <laughs> who's Will, your number? Three? Kareem, LeBron. <laughs> my number three would have to be LeBron as well. For real? Yeah, I thought Pau Gasol, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, number two for me was definitely a. I hate. This, I'm a Laker fan, but I put Kobe at number two. Kobe's number two. Kobe's me, number two for Kobe, you too? Yeah, because Magic's yeah. number one for me. Okay. <laughs> My number two would be Kobe as well. <laughs> yeah. It's a very similar list. For me, uh, number one is uh, Tracy McGrady. Mm. Number one, Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson. MJ, the real MJ. Yeah. Hey. My number one would be Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan? Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Man, you can't argue. I can't believe I didn't put Magic up there. I feel disrespectful right now. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't have enough room. I should have put him up there, too. Yeah, Magic got to be in there. Got to put Kareem in there because he held, what, the most points score for a long yeah. time. For, for a long time. Yeah. Wilt got the most in the game. Mm-hmm. I think he's still at first with the most points. Mm-mm. Oh, he's not? No. Uh, is it Kareem? Oh, yeah, it is Kareem. Yeah. yeah. I heard a guy say this, and I had to agree with it. That you might not have ever seen these guys play, because I've never seen Will play. Mm-hmm. Right. I've seen Kareem play. But if you had to put the paper down and you were in a different age, so people in the future, when they look back and they put paper next to paper and they look at the stats, that's what I think is going to talk about who was the best and who had these stats. Now, again, granted, it may be about what time or what era they played in. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it, stats that go over the, you know a certain amount of time that last a certain 100, 100 points in one game, Still hasn't been beaten. Mm-hmm. I don't think nobody scored 100 points in the game since Wilt. Yeah. You know, that got to go down in some type of history that makes you as one of the greatest. You know, LeBron probably will crush every every record that there is. He's already beat every record that is just about. Mm-hmm. Probably going to lead in assists. Yeah. You know, who has that? John Stockton right now? I think John Stockton leads. Yeah. If I, yeah. I think points, so. points is Kobe? Uh, no. In Kareem. Uh, Kareem. 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 Kobe. Kobe's in second, but. Second. Mm. 
Kobe, but LeBron is going to pass Kobe for sure. They said LeBron. In like a, in like a year, I think. He no, has isn't Malone th- second and Kobe's third? Could be. I have to look that up. I think Malone is second. No, I think Kobe's second. All right, so that concludes our not so our uh, drop top for our favorite players. I didn't put Shaq or Magic in it. I didn't put Shaq in. I wanted to, but LeBron got three now. Yeah. So I, I have can't to put Shaq up there. I always put Kobe before LeBron. Eventually, that might change. Mm-hmm. LeBron's right. gonna bump out Kobe, but Magic's still Magic. Yeah. Yeah. Can't go. Magic is still MJ. Yeah, he's still <laughs> the Magic is the man. man. Doing passes nobody ever even thought man. could be made. Yeah, no. Magic, yeah. All right, so when we close this, while we close this out, you want to give out your handles for our listeners? Uh, I just want to give a shout out to, uh, again, everyone that follows me and sponsors me, um, everyone that supports me. I just want to give a shout out to my sponsor, Standard, mm-hmm. uh, Standard Company USA. Uh, definitely a great sponsor. Um, always looking out for me. Um, that's about it. Okay. Yeah, just want to give a shout out again to all my friends and family. Say what's up to everybody here in Vegas and all around the world. Yeah. So where where can they find Standard? Uh, Standard is actually a um, company that makes uh, accessories for weapons. So okay. Again, uh, handguns and things like that. So that's uh, you know self defense line. So uh, you can find them on Standard StandardCompanyUSA.com, or you can find them on Instagram or Facebook. Yep. Okay. And where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at JVNIVALBJJ. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook. Or you can find me at the gym. Yeah. In Las Vegas. Blue Diamond. For sure. Gracie Blue Diamond. Yes. The, one of the greatest instructors there is right now. For sure. has changed my life. That. For sure. Thank you. For yes. sure has changed my life. We appreciate you coming on. You want to give out your, your social um, media? Just follow me on my Instagram, Mara the one underscore. Okay. You can find me everywhere at M-O-N-I-K-K-Z underscore. And again, I want to thank you again, James, for coming Thanks on. Thanks for having me. It we really awesome. appreciate you yeah, coming definitely. on. We want to have you back for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely be back. Yeah. More Laker talk. Yeah, yeah more Laker yeah, talk yeah. for sure. But uh, shout out to all our listeners. Uh, again, thank you for the feedback. Everybody that's been reaching out to us, even from other countries that's been reaching out. We really appreciate Sorry. it. And uh, I hope everyone enjoyed their Thanksgiving. L- love your loved ones for the holidays. And we out. Yes, sir.